get it going. It's time to get up. As far as Winnipeg goes, yeah, they're a good team. There's no secret. They're playing well. I think they've won eight of their last 11. You look at their lineup and the goals that they've scored in the top three lines, they're dangerous. And uh, it's going to be a good test. These guys are here to break it all down. Binnington went right over to their bench. Something was said there, and he went right over and gave Shimmick one. And now he's going to go by their player. And showing some feistiness, as he always does. Now he's going to go over David Dubnik. Here we go. There's no vaccine for these guys. That doesn't sound good. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. A pinch and a punch for the first of the month. It is Monday, March the 1st. Rise and shine, Metro Vancouver. It is game day in the city as well. This starting lineup here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. James Sobalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Great Ballack on the other side of the glass. Kicking it with you until 9 o'clock this morning here on AM650. You can also catch us, as you know, on the HD dial at HD3 at 96.9 or on the Sportsnet app. Dunbar Lumber text line, always open for business at 650-650. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram as well, at Sportsnet 650. Pair, a lot to get to over the next few hours. No shortage of hockey talk. Some freshly squeezed juice, if you will, coming up at 8 this morning. It's Kevin Bieksa who joins us each and every Monday morning here on Sportsnet 650. Bieksa will be here at 8 in the morning. We'll uh, catch up with Gary Volk, who's very involved in amateur sports, and, of course, former Vancouver Canuck and Sportsnet analyst, well, join us at 7. We'll head to Winnipeg at 7.30. We're apparently in the prairies. Like, it is heating up. There's something in Saskatchewan they're expecting, plus 14 or 15. This has been an easy winter. All right, I mean, not for us. I think when you live on the West Coast, you can always go, hey, hey winter's, what, we've got three, four days of winter? It's been a pretty easy winter for those on the prairies. Things heating up there. So look forward to that. I just wish that, you know, when we don't talk to each other for, for two days, for 48 hours, we could just say, oh, it was crazy. We did all this. We did all that. You know, on the weekend, for the first time, I, I had a parking lot party get-together, you know, put the cars in a in a little bit of a pyramid uh, and talk to two buddies that I have not talked to since New Year's Eve. And that gets to the extent of it. What did you do? I went for a hike, as I always do, just to get away, and got into a triangle and talked to some friends, and that's it. I, that's the extent of a weekend, 48 hours, watch your sports do that. Can't wait for it to change, my friend. How okay, I, I, got, I got to address something here in a quick moment, but... I will say this, like Saturday was spectacular. Friday, how about the wind on Friday? I was talking to a buddy of mine who played at Point Grey. He's a member there. And how about how about this for intense win? He said teeing off on a par three, 180-yard hole. He went full driver and hammered it just to get on the green on a par 380 yards. And he's a pretty good golfer. Like, he's probably, you know, 90, 95, like, you know, fair. Like, he's not, yeah. look, he's not, uh, you know, he's not Tiger. He's not Rory or anything like that. But but a, a fairly, like, a, an okay golfer hammered his driver just to get on the green at 180 yards. It was that windy. See, here's the thing, and I'll go back to moving here 22, 23 years ago when I was going to a golf game, and it was pouring up where I was. And I was supposed to meet a buddy. And he calls me and goes, you going to be here yet? I go, man, I'm not going to golf in this. It's raining like crazy. He goes, it's not raining here. So as you tell me that story, bud, I'm going through the mind check going, mm, I don't think we had any crazy winds up here, up on the mountains. Like uh, There was no, usually when the wind's coming, you're wondering about power. There's branches all over the place. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. Like, I'm checking out of that Friday going, the wind must have been down by the water because uh, I don't think it got up to us. I, there wasn't a bad weekend oh. at all. 
Dude, it was intense. It was intense. Didn't enjoy uh, soccer practice on, uh, on oh, Friday still night going with the kids. There. Yeah, uh, a couple, a week and a half to go. Uh, okay, so listen, man, I, I gotta, I gotta put a full disclosure. An apology needs to be made publicly here because I did one of the stupidest things I have, uh, I have said. In a long time. And look, I know there's people listening right now going, Sabalski, what are you talking about? You say stupid stuff all the time. Yeah, not but just this people one, listening. I'm listening to you. Th- this, was, this was, uh, you know, a bad case of foot and mouth disease. So I'm so, so excited for the story, by oh, the way. Ba- I'm oh, yeah, so Ballack excited is, to hear oh, that. Do you know what it is? He knows. Oh, I know. He knows. <laughs> oh, I know. He knows. First of all, to you to put a big disclaimer like this out with all the stupid stuff you've done, like how far did you go here? I'm very curious. Okay, so so Saturday morning we take the kids out for a walk along the beach. Beautiful morning in the sun. Walking along the sands, looking for beach glass with the kids. Everybody's in good spirits. We're walking out for probably about a half an hour, and as we're walking along, who do I run into from a distance? And as we get closer, hey, it's Greg Ballack's way, way, way better half, Katie. And there's Katie walking with another woman. And it's like, hey, Katie, great to see you. Uh, I haven't seen Katie in a while. Catching up from a dinner. How are you? Nice to see you. And blah, blah, blah. And and she's with another woman. And I haven't really looked over at this other woman. Just kind of more focused talking to Katie and with the whole family. And without even thinking, it's a woman with like kind of white blonde hair and big sunglasses. And she's got a big black coat on. And so just at the corner of my eye. And without even thinking, without even looking at her, I just say, is this mom? Oh, to which this woman takes off her sunglasses and her jaw hits the beach ground and says, are you freaking kidding me right now? I look at this woman. She's probably 15 years younger than I am. <laughs> why would you go? Why would you go to that? I, I don't know. It just fell out of my mouth. You're so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I I just pair it just literally as it came out it was just what did you just say Brenda with absolutely zero help she drops and takes a knee Greg's wife Katie just starts howling and this woman looks at me like I'm going to pick up one of these rocks on the beach and throw it at your friggin head right now Oh and the kids are looking at me like just dumbfounded like dad I can't believe he just said that. I don't think there's a worse thing you could say to a woman. Like I'm struggling well, to find if, if, if you if you throw the pregnant comment out then maybe wrong. The, yeah. which, which I but made that mistake I, I, once. I learned that lesson when I was seven and, and quickly stayed in my lane at, at making that mistake with one of my mom's friends years I'm ago. I'm trying but, to defend oh. you because you can get someone it, like if she's full on scarf all the way past the forehead and rocking some big blue blocker sunglasses. I mean, if the sunglasses are so big, all you see is a little bit of a cheek or a chin. Uh, but was it that bad? Or you just were just a, a complete... It sounds like oh. you're just a complete idiot. I just... I just I, it was total idiot moment. Balak, I mean, it, it, initially it was like, you know, Katie and her friend are like, oh, we cannot tell Greg about this. <laughs> oh, I found out. <laughs> and then you texted me probably oh. an hour later <laughs> saying, did you hear the horrible mistake i made oh and i heard it oh i heard it <laughs> yeah I mean, like this woman again like i basically painted this woman who's probably 30 
Yeah. And yeah. and she basically painted her to be about a 70-year-old woman, right? Like not well, just like, know, "Oh, are you 40?" No, no, no. Like didn't didn't give her 10 years. Gave her about 40 years. I don't know how you make up, but if you want to continue with the joke, just get her name and address from Balak and from Katie and, and send her some moisturizing cream. <laughs> some oil of LA. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, man. Here, though. Here's here's some uh, laser surgery <laughs> gift certificates. Nah, that's bad. Too bad for her. It's great. Well, that, she has. It's great now, though. Is that insult to injury? Is that insult oh, to injury? Oh, man. Some that more than salt. That's more than salt in the wound. It's a great but story to have with, with her now when we go to her her place now james so we appreciate that we always have something to talk about with her oh uh, yeah no that's, yeah. A, that's a tough one that's, that's a, a hell of a bonding one. moment nevertheless i mean yes. so if there's any consolation the vancouver canucks and we've seen some gaffes that the team has made so far this season en route to what having lost what 11 of the last 13 games i'm not sure the canucks can do anything as dumb as that that I just did uh, as they open up against the uh, Winnipeg Jets for a double dip again here, pair. Uh, Jets are on fire right now, and the Canucks uh, having lost four straight. Two teams in different directions, and these are the ones that you kind of you look at the numbers that everything screams Jets, and this is where you kind of find maybe the slump buster. But the Canucks had a weekend off to themselves, like the longest stretch that they've had off in over six weeks. Interesting play by Travis Grange. Just say get away. Um, get away from the rink completely. Said the guys needed to break physically, you know, the, essentially back-to-back since they've started one other episode where they didn't, uh, and mentally as well. I think some of the guys came into the rink and, and worked out a little bit but didn't go on the ice. They seem to be a refreshed group, um, at least in front of the microphones, but you're right. I, I guess the only hope you can have, and I say only, we still haven't played half the season, but you looked at everything last week when you were away from the Canucks games and go, okay, there's a Calgary team that's absolutely um, in, in the middle of a dumpster, and they go into Toronto where there's no way they're going to do it. They don't have Jacob Markstrom. And what did they get? They got some incredible goaltending to, to get them the first one against the Leafs, at least. Um, I, I think for the first time on a Monday, the expectation's a good Winnipeg team. You go, well, the Canucks aren't finding anything here. Let's see if the break that was given to them is something that somehow rejuvenates them. But they'll, it almost seems, unfortunately, James, you almost go, okay, for these guys to win, they're going to need some puck luck. Um, but they played well, but you just don't see how they're picking up the win. Well, and that's, look, I mean, this is why you ultimately play the game, but it does not bode well for the Canucks against one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team right now in the North Division with the Jets having won eight of the last 11 games. So here we are. It is Monday, March 1st, and Jake Bertanen is still a Vancouver Canuck. And rumors intensifying over the weekend here, pair uh, involving Shotgun Jake and wondering, okay, is you know, is this going to happen? As essentially, th- it was identified as, okay, who's going the other way if this uh, does get done? Danton Heinen's name uh, mentioned as well as uh, the possible piece going Vancouver's way in a potential one-for-one swap with the Ducks with another local product. Uh, Elliot Friedman suggesting on Saturday that at this point, Jake Bertanen to Anaheim for forward Danton Heinen um, is not likely going to happen, but the sticking point is, surprise, it's money. Heinen is uh, is a re- restricted free agent at the end of the season, coming off uh, a $2.8 million cap hit. And the actual dollars for Heinen this year is actually only $5,000 less than the actual cap hit. 
where Jake has one more year. But here's the ass kicker for trying to move Jake for Tannen pair. The actual dollars is $3.4 million with a $400,000 signing bonus. So based on various reports, the Ducks want to share that money owed next year. The Canucks don't want to share. So the Ducks would get the immediate savings, um, but then they'd have to ultimately eat it next year where mm-hmm. Jake's dollars this year is uh, 1.7. So, look, I understand why there would be a hesitation on Anaheim. Man, $3.4 million for Jake next year, that is insane. Like, it's just another thing that you, you know, if you're part of the thank you, Jim movement, you know, and you're done and you're looking at this management team and you're going, man, like, how things have kind of gone absolutely sideways with Jake Bertan. $3.4 million owed next year. Man, you're going to need a sweetener to try to move Jake Bertanen or at least offer up Eaton half that salary. Does Jake offer more upside than Danton Heinen? Yeah, but at $3.4 million? Oh, hell no, I'm not doing that one for one if I'm Anaheim. No, and, and it just comes to, okay, here's the situation. We're going into this year. We don't have the money. We don't have the fans. By next year, that $3 million might not look that bad. You, you got 18 goals last year. We expect it to be better this year, so... All right, you're going to be a 20-goal guy, three points some. All right, we'll look at that. guess the only benefit, only benefit, and it, it's kind of does, you said, does not bode well. I don't think it bodes well for this hockey team that, again, Jake's skating with Bo Horvat, Jake's skating in the top six, and there's been someone texting, oh, I told you Jake's the guy to fix this. No, Jake Vertanen is not fixing anything with the Vancouver Canucks, but if Jake Vertanen, and the ask is always so little, can put together two Three hockey games, be noticeable. As Travis Green said, well, he was noticeable. Liked how he moved his feet. I mean, the bar is not high to get compliments for Jake Vertanen. But if somehow, some way, he can put together a week, two weeks of good hockey. I know everyone in this family, oh, finally Jake's back. You can't get rid of him now. No, 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 no. Get rid of him now. Play better. Make the deal with whoever is interested if he gets on a roll. That's the sad part about Vertanen. If and when he does get into some kind of a groove here, I think most of the fan base and the organization has decided to go move him now. Move him now because right now with that money coming around the corner next year and what he's doing for you, you're going to run into it with everybody. Even as though a lot of teams are talking about trade talks right now, Jake is not someone who who anybody's grabbing without them having to say, hey, you're going to have to eat some of that salary too, Vancouver. We're not paying him. He's not worth that much. Here's what Travis Green had to say with respect to trade rumors uh, and specifically the Jake Vertanen situation right now with Anaheim. Well, there's not many players that go through their career that don't see their name linked somewhere in some type of uh, trade rumor, Uh, especially if you play in a Canadian market. There's lots of, um, you know, media coverage in our market and in any Canadian market. And I think it's important that through it all, you're still, you know, we have, we have a lot of good communication with a lot of our players, Jake being one of them as of late, because it's there has been some rumors about that and uh, making sure that he's staying focused in his game and uh, talking players through it once in a while when it when it happens. But it's it's probably a bigger deal to the outside world than it is to the inside our room. Three point four million next year for Jake Vertanen. So 
that's where it gets complicated. Meantime, uh, another rumor kind of floating around this weekend is the possibility and the report suggesting that the Edmonton Oilers are interested in forward Brandon Sutter, who was a pending unrestricted free agent. They're looking at the idea of Brandon Sutter maybe filling the void that Kyle Turris has been yeah. unable to live up to. Uh, a lot of healthy scratches as of late for Kyle Turris, uh, but the possibility to see that the 32-year-old Sutter stepping in to kind of fill that void. And look, I mean, there's been a, there's been a lot to like with, with Brandon Sutter so far this year. He's got a little jump in his step. He's been healthy. Yes, I know everybody seems to all of a sudden point to the lack of assists on Brandon Sutter's part, but he has provided a little bit of offense, one of the few guys who actually has in that bottom six. But here's what Brandon Sutter had to say with respect to trade rumors and even his own future here in Vancouver. We're human. We know it's, uh, you know, when your contract's up, that's the way it is. And there's always going to be speculation and talk about it. But uh, um, for me, it's just focused on on this group, this team. Uh, I want to be here. This is where I want to stay. So there's really, uh, really no secrets there for me. Have you even had any discussions about potentially extending? Uh, I'll keep that between me and uh, my agent and, and Jim. Well, how about that? little wrinkle potentially uh, just coming or going for Brandon Sutter here in Vancouver. Let me ask you this, Pear. Is it conceivable that Brandon Sutter is back here next year after his contract expires, coming back at potentially a short term uh, and maybe at a reduced rate? You know, I mean, he's still got Beagle. I understand how he would fit. Um, I I guess I'm not going to say, listen, there's been some crazier decisions, but how long do you hang on to guys? Um, you know, he, he's been an assistant captain here. I do think we believe that room has kind of been disjointed. I don't think he's the cause of it. I think he helps right the ship. Uh, I think you have to have that conversation. But you need new blood to move forward, right? And, and the, you know, I have no issue with Brandon Sutter. I'm a, I'm a fan of how the Sutters right through the generations have played. Mm-hmm. Problem is, and he would be a great fit in Edmonton. He comes here after 20-goal season in Pittsburgh. And so you look and go, you know what, he'll be able to supply some offense. Well, that was never his game. So uh, Brandon Sutter going to Edmonton, I'm a fan of Kyle Turris, but, you know, yeah. that thing went south uh, in a bigger. Brandon Sutter going and, and playing with the Oilers and realizing you do not have to supply any offense, that's fine. But unfortunately here in Vancouver, when you're not getting consistently from Bo, and if the odd time the lotto line is struggling, you're looking at Brandon Sutter as the number three guy going, hey, we need some offense. And the odd time he supplies it. Uh, I, I think it's a good fit for the Oilers, and if you can get something for him, I would do it. Hey, if you circle back in the wagons and next September there's a, a, a number that fits, I, I just don't think you push it because all of a sudden, where are you stopping? Adam Gaudet, Cole Lins played some center. Like, you need someone to push Brandon Sutter out of a job. Um, to bring him back says you don't have enough, and that's not a good sign for this team. Well, what's the alternative? Like well, do you try the... like like Adam Gaudet like Adam Gaudet like you cannot sit there and think that Adam Gaudet is the primary option to replace Brandon Sutter right now with the struggles that he has had offensively like if you thought Brandon Sutter, like Brandon Sutter is one of the the most productive bottom six players for the Vancouver Canucks this season and there was a great tweet yesterday by Harmon Dale from the Athletic who pointed out look he he kind of broke down all forward production outside of the team's highest six point producing forwards and outside of the top six the canucks they're basically their bottom six ranks 30th out of 31 teams in terms of actual offensive production per game 
you know, and Brandon Sutter's probably one of the only guys who's done that along with Tyler Mott so far this season. The only concern is, and I understand, like, look, would I rather Brandon Sutter over Jay Beagle? Yes. But you are committed to Jay Beagle for another year at $3 million, so there's that. But let's say Brandon Sutter at $2 million next year, unless you have a better alternative. Like, what is the what is the alternative as a number three center for this team, right? I don't think it's in the system, right? I, I, no, I don't I think, think it's in the system right somebody. now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and who, listen, I mean, who knows what happens? Adam Henrique is, Adam Henrique is, you know, been, been sent to the minors. He's on 5 million. You're not paying that, but maybe he's bought out and you, you find someone who is available, right? But to answer, how do you replace Brandon Sutter right now? I don't necessarily think you have someone in the system that makes it better. I'm an Adam Gaudet fan, but I don't know if he becomes your number three center by default. I just don't – you're going to have to make some changes with this team. What they have built now is not good enough to suggest that you're going to see Sutter and how many people have been waiting for two years to go, okay, he's finally done, let's move on, just like you're waiting for that of Roussel and Beagle. Um, but it would be nice to think you have someone who's lighting it up in, in the AHL. You don't at this point, right? So to answer what's better than Brandon Sutter, uh, nothing essentially in the organization. But that's when the job of the GM comes into place. Go, what can you find? And that's when the trust factor comes in going, hey, you found us Roussel, Sutter, and Beagle, and that really didn't work out well. Do we want you to give us your credit card and go, you go shopping again? So mm. I like Sutter. I think he will be moved. I think they will get something for him. But who replaces him next year? Not sure they have it in the system. You know, injuries, inconsistency, it plagued that guy since he's been here for, what, the six years that Brandon Sutter has been a Vancouver Canuck. But I, but I would say this, pair. Brandon Sutter has quietly had himself a solid run of games going back to the NHL's return to play. You know, last summer from the playoffs, I thought Brandon Sutter played very well for the team. And I I don't think I would say it. Brandon Sutter has not been the cause or the root of the problems for the Vancouver Canucks and their struggles this season. Now, I think that there is an element amongst the fan base to say, I want to see, you know, change for the sake of change and turn the page on some of these contracts. And look, Brandon Sutter coming back at the same rate at $4 million plus next year. No, that's, that's, that's stupid. That's stupid talk. But Brandon Sutter at say half that price as a third line center. I think that's not a bad choice. It's just a question of the optics in this fan base right now. I think there'd be a lot of revolting, but I think you got to figure out whether or not the GM's coming back first. Um, did you catch Jordan Bennington gone wild over the oh, weekend? I loved it. Jordan Bennington, and, and go back to the playoffs. I said, you know what, I think the Canucks will beat St. Louis because in goal they're better than Bennington. Just thought he got on that ultimate role for a couple of months. Like the fact that the kids showed no emotion. You're, you're watching the Blues win a Stanley Cup, and I don't know if he's going to smile. But, man, he went ballistic on Saturday night for a Blues team that has been struggling. The one guy, the last guy, take a listen. It was crazy. He skated all the way to the Anaheim, uh, to the Anaheim, San Jose bench, challenged people on the way in, looked finally uh, at maybe dancing with the goalie because you have to skate out on the wrong side of the ice in San Jose. Take a listen to the one guy, the last guy you expect, the one guy the coach would have loved to go absolutely ballistic. Finnington went right over to their bench. Something was said there, and he went right over and gave Shimmick one, and now he's going to go by their player. And showing some feistiness, as he always does. And now he's going to go over to David Dubnik. Here we go. 
man, that was so out of character. But James, have we seen anything like that from the Vancouver Canucks? We saw a little bit of a heated conversation in Toronto between Holpe and Miller. That's it. But have we seen any Canuck kind of go off and go crazy? You know what? He gets pulled from the game. His team comes back. They win the hockey game. Maybe you need a little bit of that. You need to see how pissed off you are to see if it can engage and can light someone. Bennington, the last guy to do it, the last guy you would expect, he does it, and it seemed to make a difference to a team. I loved it. What's the difference between appreciating that sort of behavior from Jordan Bennington getting chased and JT Miller and the body language that has come under fire here? JT Miller, you can say, is kind of pouting. And didn't take, like, have we seen JT Miller run anybody and just go crazy and go lose it? He loses his on a stick. He loses it to his team's bench and pouts where Bennington lost it against the opposition. And there's your difference. There's a guy who it looks like, hey, JT Miller wants to win. I understand that. But go take it out on the opposition. That's the beauty of this game. When you get upset, you can take it out on someone. Bennington, as a goalie, can't, yet he did. To me, that's fire and emotion more so that more so that can light up your team rather than just being pissed and slamming the gate when you come to the bench. But but Jordan Bennington looked like he couldn't stop an exercise ball rolling past him on Friday night yep. or on Saturday, yep. right? And and yep. it's like I, I understand what you're saying with the compete, but you know, as a forward, you know, you're coming off the ice, you're frustrated, you're slamming your stick, you're cussing, people can hear him yelling that are inside Rogers Arena cover. I just don't under. It's funny that you know, you're telling me that you love you know I love this sort of behavior as a guy who was having a horrible night and getting in other people's grills, looking to take it out on somebody. Where JT Miller is kind of doing the same thing, just maybe a little differently, and he's getting killed for it here. He's not taking it out on anybody. He's taking it out on his stick. So you'd rather taking see him it out instead, on instead of so instead of slamming his stick, you'd rather see him drop the gloves and punch somebody. Hit everybody. Lose it a little bit. Let's see it. I mean, we don't. When's the last time as a man, JT Miller was a wrecking ball out there? We ripped on Bull Horvat. He wasn't scoring two weeks ago. Came out one game. He had five hits. Good. Add that to the team, right? I know you're frustrated. If you're frustrated, you can help a team in a different matter. I'm just saying, I've yet to see a Canuck go off on anybody. You go, okay, there's your frustration. And they've been blown out of a lot of hockey games where we didn't see any of that stuff, right? So I, I don't mind it. You know, someone texting in that Bennington did that once and he was in playing in the minors. It fired up his team. They came back to win as they did on Saturday night. I don't, I don't mind that. I, I don't mind it at all to see him go with me that, 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 uh, that irate, especially when he's the last guy you would imagine to do that because, you know, people on his team were going, holy smokes, like what's up with, what's up with Bennington today? But it fired them up. They came back and won the win. I mean, it's not like they were egregiously down, though, right? Like, that was a back-and-forth no. game all night. And, you know, the, the Blues were also ahead, like, 5-4 at one point, and then the Sharks came back. So it's not like it was a miracle. It, this really rallied the team. I mean, it was still back-and-forth. So, But I, I see where I see where you're going, but I do find it somewhat – I find it a little hypocritical to kind of sit there and praise that behavior and then – we kind of all kick JT Miller it's, in the ass. It's out, but it's out of the ordinary. And, and someone's saying, hey, you know what? You realize openly mocking Bennington to see it completely embarrassed everybody. It's hilarious that you want to criticize Miller for being frustrated. I'm not. I'm not criticizing Miller for being frustrated. I'm saying take out your frustrations on somebody. Hit somebody a little bit more. Right? Take it out on someone oh. else rather than your hockey stick. That's all I'm saying. You can do that as a player. You can as a goalie. Bennington did it. It looked a little bit different. But if he was hoping to get everybody going, he did exactly that on Saturday. 
All right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Monday morning. He's Perry Selkowski. I'm James Sabalski. This is the starting lineup. Don't forget, Kevin BX will join us just after 8 o'clock this morning. 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business, and uh, the texts are pouring in. We'll get to some of those in a moment. And, Pear, by the way, you'll appreciate this. We'll get to Seaball Says in a moment and ask the question, where's Jim these days? But you'll appreciate this as I took out the garbage to the front of the driveway this morning. I've got socks and I've got slippers on, buddy. But the toes are covered, so there you go. Progress, my friend. Right here. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. He may not be right, but he says it with confidence anyway. But I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Seaball says on Sportsnet 650. 6.33 here on this Monday morning. James and Perry kicking it with you. Uh, Kevin BX just after 8 o'clock. Gary Volk, uh, former Sportsnet hockey analyst, uh, pushing uh, a petition online to try to get the BCHL up and running again and a uh, big advocate for youth sports uh, during this pandemic. Uh, he'll join us just after 7 o'clock as well. Uh, game day as well. Canucks and Jets uh, puck drop at 5 o'clock here on Sportsnet 650. Pre-game show starting at 3 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, time for this morning's Seaball says. And Pear, I I love to use this line, and it's a classic from the movie Remember the Titans. Attitude reflect leadership, Captain. It's a confrontational scene between Gary and Julius as the two players point figures, fingers as to why this team is struggling. But it also addresses the divide that ultimately helps fix the team going forward. Leadership. It's come up here. Oftentimes about the Canucks leadership group on the ice. Is Bo Horvat able to handle all of this? Just how has JT Miller's augmented voice impacted the roster? What about Braden Holtby? What about Nate Schmidt? But here's another question about leadership. Where's Jim Benning these days? Sure, we've heard these trade rumor whispers about Jake Vertanen on the cusp of being moved, but where's Jim? It's almost comical like that kid's show. Tell me where in the world is Carmen San Diego. As a GM and a leader, you can't be this invisible. It is a bad look. Francesco Aquilini, the owner of the Vancouver Canucks, stepped up two and a half weeks ago with his vote of confidence. Travis Green talks daily to the media. Where is Jim? Now, I understand the PR debate here. Nothing good comes out of it if Jim Benning's going to talk. But when the club is reeling like this and the architect is nowhere to be found, it doesn't look good. When was the last time that the general manager appeared on television, on radio, or any sort of platform? I went back to an article in Post Media on Wednesday, February 4th where that appears to be his last public comments about Tyler Toffoli when he now dropped his infamous ran-out-of-time quote when discussing why they couldn't keep the winger. So that's almost four full weeks ago. Now, Benning has never been overly accessible to radio and television shows since taking over here in 2014. The reality is, is his personality is a far cry from Pat Quinn, Brian Burke, or even Mike Gillis for that matter. He's never been overly comfortable when microphones are in front of him. And you know what? That is life for some people. Some are better communicators than others. Just like, hey, you know, some people are very outgoing individuals. We all know those certain people, right? And then some are more introverted. 
But invisibility to me shows a sign of weakness. Address what's going on. If nothing else, take some heat off the players. This is a textbook thing that Brian Burke used to do even when he was here as general manager of the Canucks. Right? The team is struggling. Brian Burke does an interview and kind of lashes back, offers a few sound bites, and takes the deflection. Right? Take some of that heat off the players right now if you're the leader. Let someone else instead of Travis Green deal with the line of fire for a day. This is your roster. Some might call it a mess, but you need to own it right now. And that's this morning, Seaball says. I don't know if it changes a whole bunch. Um, you know, I don't think Jim Benning is going to be someone who he's not. And he is not a guy who loves to jump in front of microphones and or come on the radio and, and TV. And Brad Trelevin, credit to him. But a week and a half ago when the Flames were absolutely exact on fire, um, he stepped up and said this team hasn't been good enough. But I think Brad probably has a little more confidence in his security than Jim has. Uh, you know, the fact that we're in the Zoom situation and the media is not around Jim becomes different. Usually you hear the odd comment from Jim through post media. Every every Monday, it seems there's there's something from him. What's he going to say, though, other than, you know what, we haven't been good enough? Like, how does that change the product on the ice? How does it make you feel better, Seaball, that he comes and says, you know what, we haven't been good enough? I've made some terrible decisions. I mean, does that change anything? He knows what he did that was good. He knows what he did that was wrong. How does it change anything? What it changes is the players having to be the guys to do this day after day after day. That Travis Green has to do it day after day after day. I'm not asking Jim Benning to do it day after day after day like the players and the coaches have to do it. But you know what, Pear? When your team has lost 11 of 13 and you are the leader, you're the one who assembled this, you got to get in front of it at least and dress what the hell's going on as opposed to disappearing, right? You, you know, hey, look, you can take the pats on the back when things are going good, but you know what? You cannot go as MIA. It's been four weeks since he's had anything public. And I get, uh, you know, what? I understand the PR spin in the background going, you know what? There's nothing good that can be done or nothing good comes out of this whatever he says it's a lose-lose situation but you know what you at least have to put yourself out there don't you think well i i don't think jim benning is hiding i i think if there was a whole bunch of requests to the canucks for him to talk he would come and we could both guess exactly what he will say and as we approach uh what are we six weeks away from a trade deadline and we hear all that conversation we may hear from jim benning you know it's interesting too I do find it difficult for the head coach to, to step up all the time, but Travis doesn't have to do it all the time. You, you can go, you can tell Bomber to step up, Nolan Baumgartner, go, you know, you talk today. We've seen other coaches do that. We can get into Alan Vigneault and, and, and what he accomplished on the weekend. It wasn't always AV in front of the microphones. Sometimes in a tough world like this and strange Zoom calls, you can put someone else into to say the same old, same old. There's nobody listening to us right now that would not be able to play the role of Travis Green if they lose tonight in Winnipeg and come up with most of the answers we are going to see depending on how the 60 minutes or plus of hockey plays out. For Benning, it's not like I've been running around in the last month going, where's Jim? We need Jim. We have to hear from Jim. I do think it may, might speak to the fact that he realizes he may not be long for this team anymore. So Aquilini tries to quell it. But, you know, we heard Chris Wall. The fact is, and this is what was daunting, is in month of February, this team, 26 possible points. They picked up six. Uh, I don't know where the positive is. We'll hear from Jim Benning. I don't know how it changes anything. 
And I don't know how many people are, where are you hiding from, Benning? Talk about it. Uh, to me, that's not an issue right now. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, a lot of people jumping in uh, over the course of the morning with some of their thoughts on things uh, with the future of Jake Vertanen. Ian and Coquitlam chiming in saying, guys, it sounds like you want 21-year-old Jake Vertanen. He used to get mad and run guys when he was frustrated, even did it in practice once in a while, and the media cried bloody murder about how he was undisciplined. Can't have it both ways. That's going back to the Jordan Bennington sort of logic and uh, the well, J.T. Miller pair. I'd say this, Ian. Uh, you know, when Jake is doing that and you don't have the hockey team around him, um, yeah, you're going, hey, we can't afford all these penalties, and nor can any team afford penalties. But I would love to see a 21-year-old Jake Vertanen, if you saw him as a guy who was out crushing people all the time, I wouldn't mind Jake Vertanen hitting a few more people. I mean, do something. you got to be noticeable. I'll get another shot on it tonight. Playing with Bo Horvat, he's in the top six by default. So why not do a little bit more, right? Let's run around. I don't, I don't mean someone to go crazy. And the Bennington thing was just, hey, that's out of character. And they ended up winning the game. Someone going out of character. Jake running around would not be out of character for Jake. Um, you know what, Bo Horvat running around, maybe not out of character. I'm just saying JT Miller's frustrated. Sometimes take out your frustration on another player. You never know what can happen. But, yeah, Jake Vertanen running around hitting somebody. Remember that game when he – remember he sat and then he played finally in L.A. or he was sitting in L.A. and he had, like, something like 12 hits. And they said, yeah, no, they just want me to hit more. And you're going, my God, you're not going to be able to keep that up. But it's just who knows what kind of Jake Vertanen's walking into the rink in Winnipeg today. That's unfortunately been the question of his entire career. Uh, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's Sean saying, guys, uh, I think it's essential to keep Sutter if you want to trade them at the deadline for picks. Go ahead and do that. But in the offseason, they need to sign him. He would be a great replacement for Beagle once his contract is over. Next year, being a fourth-line center is probably the perfect fit for him. A guy that plays with heart, a guy that plays with leadership, it's a no-brainer for me. Uh, Thanks very much for that, Sean. I I just think that... There's that one additional year, right? Like if you could move him at the deadline and get an asset and the, the possibility of him coming back, I, I just can't see. If you're cutting bait with somebody at the deadline, I don't think that Sutter is that guy that you would say, oh, you bring him back. I wouldn't rule it out, though. Just the, the sticking point is you've got Jay Beagle for one more year yep. at $3 million. But, Pear, I would say this, you know, Brandon Sutter at $2 million, I guess it's the question is, is what's the alternative? And I'm not sure there's anything in the pipeline yet that's ready to step in and assume the role as a third-line center right now for this Vancouver Canucks team this year. Now, you might find it on, on the open market with veterans getting squeezed out or guys not getting the money that they had hoped for in the years past, obviously with a flat cap, but... Um, I, I would be shocked if they cut bait at the deadline on Brandon Sutter and brought him back in the offseason. Because Beagle's here. I mean, yes, he's the better fit than, than Jay Beagle, but unfortunately Beagle's here. There's no way you're going to pay Sutter a couple million to keep him here and essentially clog up the possibility for who's the young piece that will be with us as we go forward. Like what he brings to the team, unfortunately mismanaged. You've got Beagle there. If you can move Beagle, great, but who's buying that? I understand it. I just don't think it's logical. Uh, 644 on a game day on the official home of the Vancouver Canucks. Hey, did you do nothing all weekend? Did you not get off the sofa? I'm going to let you know of a guy who's going to inspire all of us for what he did. Beat 70 million people at his game. We'll explain that next. Not BS, just PS. On a game day, Sportsnet 650. It's Canucks game day. Canucks Jets. Coverage begins at 3, right here on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
he always tries to be ahead of the game. Harry was in front. Finding stories that matter, sort of. We call BS. You want answers. I want the truth. It's not BS, just PS with Perry Solkowski. A lot of things going on in the world of sports over the last 48 hours. We find it to you in the form of PS, no BS. You know, when he was a young boy playing in a tournament, it was his mom who suggested a certain attire, and it stuck. For us, it's just a gesture to, to let him know that we're thinking about him and we're, we're rooting for him. Surprised and uh, had a smile yesterday when I turned on the TV, watched a little bit of golf, and you saw the number of PGA Tour players that were wearing the red and the black. Phil Mickelson played the Champions Tour and said, man, he went out and tried to find something red and did. So they honored Tiger. Tiger said in a tweet, it is hard to explain how touching today was when I turned the TV and I saw all the red shirts. To every golfer and every fan, you are truly helping me get through this tough time. Nice move on the tour to say, how can we help Tiger go red and black? It's a Sunday. It's made a lot of people a lot of money over the last quarter century in golf. Text us at 650-650 if you have a red Nike golf shirt. I got about four of them. Now, I didn't pay for them, but I got four of them in the, go- in the, uh, in the closet because that's what you wear if you golf. Yes. Hey, P.S., I think Canucks fans have learned to hate everybody on the Chicago Blackhawks over the past decade. But show some love for P. Kane becoming the 100th player in the NHL to reach the 400-goal plateau. Kane, come on a two-on-one. Kane delays. He'll drag it. His shot. He scores! That's hockey, baby! That's 400 for Patrick Kane! Taves, Seabrooks, Keith, or Kane? If you had to take one, who would you have taken and put him on your team? Uh, Jonathan Taves. I'm a, I'm, a no, Jonathan, I, I'm a Jonathan Taves, Mark, uh, still. But, man, I'll tell you what, the best, I, I think the most underrated story, I would say, this season has been Patrick Kane and what he has done individually. We talk so much about what McDavid's done, what Austin Matthews has done. Man, Patrick Kane, he's what, he's 32, and... Man, he's right. He like he's doing McDavid and Matthews stuff. He's got 34 points now on the season. Like he's been fantastic. And as a guy sign who's of, a smaller guy too, right? Like he's still going strong. Ultimate sign of a superstar. If you're on his line, you're better, right? You're just he makes everyone better around him. So a ninth player to reach the 400. As, as an as an Amer- like as an American, as an American, right? American. Yeah. Like it's crazy to think that you look at how how much the game has grown, especially like look at how many American players there are now. But only nine in NHL history that are American-born that have hit 400. Yeah, man, and no one's catching bread halls up in the 600 range. It's not happening. Hey, how about this? P.S. Shout out to a 61-year-old by the name of David Simon for getting some exercise in the difficult year of 2020. See, ball, you like to run. I try to run. This guy at 61. 2,000 hours, 12,000 kilometers, beat more than 70 million people that use the Strava running app. So that's just under 8,000 miles. Essentially, he ran across Canada and back. Average 30K a day, or if you want to break it down, take 77 days of your year and run for 24 hours in those days. At 61 across the country and back. That's crazy. That's that's pretty impressive. By the way, Brett Hall, you're you're underselling Brett Hall. He has 741 Six. career goals, not 600. I was, I was thinking 640. He has shaved off know. 140 of his goals. 
All right. Well, I, I minus the goal for every shot he took of tequila, and that would have gotten me to 300. Uh, and P.S., how long is long enough before you throw another bash that you invite the world to? We'll have a Australia thinking it's time to throw a party, and hey, we're having that conversation in Vancouver. 32 years after the last Olympics, uh, Brisbane, Australia is the preferred destination of the International Olympic Committee to host the 2032 um, Olympics. We'll see if that happens. It's funny, the IOC saying that's our preferred location because what we're running into is no one wants it anymore, and I know our city has pushed it forward again. They're thinking maybe, you know, 2036, will be the way to go. I think the Olympics will come back to Vancouver again sooner rather than later because nobody wants them, and we've got the infrastructure. Well, it's 2021 now, and there was a story on News 1130 uh, just a day ago uh, talking about, um, you know, we've heard this conversation. We've had uh, Councillor Melissa DiGenovo, a Vancouver City Councillor, mm-hmm. talking about the potential economic benefit. We've ta- heard from John Furlong as well to say, hey, look, it's, it's a no-brainer. I think if I, I think having existing infrastructure certainly helps. I just look at it as a need and want at this point right now. I understand, like, look, the tour, tourism's absolutely taken an ass kicking here in this uh, in this province over the last year because of COVID. But I don't know. I feel like it's a bit of a need and want, right? With uh, with the Vancouver Games, like, would I love to see? Do what? Do I want the games here? Sure. Do I need the games here? No. Well, it's what are you doing for us? And that used to be the mandate of the IOC, okay? And they, everybody would have to just bend over backwards for them. Won't happen again. In Brisbane, with this announcement, everybody in Brisbane is going, no, we don't want it. They have no infrastructure there. You know, the, the country does, but it was in Sydney, not in Brisbane. So we'll see. No BS, just PS on this game day morning on Tuesday. All right, five minutes to uh, 7 o'clock here on this Monday morning. Canucks and Jets oh, set Monday, to collide yeah. later Woo-hoo. on today. Yeah, there you go, Monday. It's, you know, it could be worse. Sun's up, uh, ready to roll, and let's get going. And uh, we'll talk a little puck, Canucks style, with Gary Volk, former Sportsnet analyst, former Vancouver Canuck, and uh, also pushing an initiative to try to get the BCHL up and running again as well. It's all coming up here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. <laughs> Let's get it going. It's time to get up. As far as Winnipeg goes, yeah, they're a good team. There's no secret. They're playing well. I think they've won eight of their last 11. You look at their lineup and the goals that they've scored in the top three lines, they're dangerous, and uh, it's going to be a good test. These guys are here to break it all down. Bennington went right over to their bench. Something was said there, and he went right over and gave Shimmick one, and now he's going to go by their player. And showing some feistiness, as he always does. Now he's going to go over to David Dubnik. Here we go. There's no vaccine for these guys. That doesn't sound good. This is the starting lineup. Here's James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Three minutes after 7 o'clock, it is game day. Canucks and Jets a pregame show here on Sportsnet 650 starts at uh, 3 o'clock, and then it's a 5 o'clock puck drop uh, in the peg uh, today. So, uh, Zabalski, Solkowski, uh, try to connect with uh, Gary Volk here uh, in just a couple moments. Pair, the, the power play has been scuffling as of late. One for 13 in their last opportunities. Uh, so they decided to, uh, to change it up a little bit yesterday. Well, and, and if the power play's not working, the second unit's not getting much time. And I felt maybe you just put a big body in front, you change it up. 
Travis Green, not of that mindset, but he did change it up. Uh, what we may see and may not in Winnipeg tonight is just the simple flip of Pedersen and Besser uh, to their different sides. Uh, and Travis Green explaining his thought process behind it and his belief, although the numbers haven't dictated, uh, that the five guys he throws on that first unit are good enough to get it done. Here's Travis Green. You're not scoring on the power play. You're going to look to try some different things. Uh, I think all th- that whole unit's comfortable in doing a lot of different options during the game. And um, so we'll see what we go with tomorrow night. And a lot of times we just let them decide uh, as the game's going on or during the course of a, of a shift might end up on, on a certain spot. And they're quite adaptable to run run any options in any spot. Uh, well, they're trying something different, right? People have talked about the lack of creativity or has become too predictable. I mean, this is something. I just don't think that there's much in the way of alternatives right now paired to go in a different direction. Well, uh, you know, I just think sometimes somebody gets moved up to a power play unit to try something different. The flip sides, the question is, I said the last game, they're the prettiest, most ineffective power play you can see. They move the puck around so well up top, the way Hughes can dance the line, the way Petey can control the puck, and, and Besser and Miller moving on the other side. I just wonder if you don't change the personnel a little bit, put the body in front. You know, Alex Edler at some point was on a power play before Hughes kicked them out of that position. Go, okay, let's, let's get some shots with a little more power through. We'll see. The fact is, it's great that those guys can adjust on the fly. But in these tight games, and here we are, James, it's March 1st, and I kind of chuckle. We spent three years going, meaningful games in March were good enough. And now here we are in the shortest season ever, and we might not really be playing meaningful games in March if they don't turn it around in a big way. So it's going to be on the power play. They lost a couple games because of special teams. And, you know, you're in a tight checking game, and they were against Winnipeg a couple times last week. You get that man advantage opportunity. You've got to put it behind. And we'll see if they can do it. And if they can't, maybe it's time to change a little bit of personnel. One or two players, that's it. And go, you guys got a minute. If you don't, believe in that second unit because there's no belief in that second unit right now. Well, it looks, I mean, it's it, nothing's gone right for this team. The, the problem is, Pear, and we've talked about this already, but you get absolutely nothing from your bottom six for the most part offensively. I just don't know how much you can change. You know, I know some people would say, well, you know, hey, if the, if the second power play unit got a little more time, perhaps, but, you know, but at in spurts, and it's the same as last year, right? Like, PP1 gets the bulk of the time, but PP2 has not offered much at all this season. And you look at some of the contributors that were on that sort of second unit last year and, and are part of it this year, like Adam Gaudet's offense has disappeared, right? It has, mm-hmm. it has just vanished. It's gone to the Bermuda Triangle, right? Jake Bertanet, same sort of thing, gone. Like, like the offense that you wow. look for, that sort of secondary support, it just hasn't been there for this team this year, and it's been a big problem. And, and I think it, it not, just, not just at five-on-five, five, but I think it's also been from a special team standpoint as well. Well, and Tanberry, you know, I didn't get a chance to say that's exactly what was going to come up. That second unit, when you look at actual minutes on the ice on the power play and the efficiency of scoring, Jake Furtanen was the guy who stood out, right? Hoaglander has taken that spot from him. Maybe Jake gets a crack at something. And and believe you me, I am not here saying Jake Furtanen will be the difference maker. No, he's not. If Jake Furtanen gets on a roll, Jake Furtanen will just make it easier for him to finally leave town and they'll get something in return. 
but you know they seems like they're running that first unit power play out for like a buck 20 buck 30 and then you get you know 15 seconds of scraps for that second unit it's because your belief just like you say that top line that top unit if that's not going this team is not winning because where is everything else coming from we've said this before you know who would have thought that tyler mott would be such a difference maker to this team and i think he will be for years to come because there's a bottom six guy with the energy um, you know, you've had a bit from Sutter, but other than that, and I'm a I am a, a Godhead guy, but you've got to start scoring some goals to take a little bit of pressure off the guys who are paid to get it done when they're struggling. Uh, it is uh, eight minutes after seven o'clock here on this uh, Monday morning. Uh, James and Perry with you and joining us at this time, uh, former Vancouver Canuck. And you talk about a guy who's a good team guy. Yes. And a guy who is good in the room, also former Sportsnet analyst, at the old Sportsnet Pacific days, this guy you could always count on on a game night. He'd come in as a studio analyst, arms full with all the treats, all the chips. And as a guy who's like total kryptonite, as a chip guy, I love this guy. This guy became a true captain right out of the gate. Gary Volk. Man, how are you, man? It, uh, I'm doing awesome. I can't complain. I mean, look, I've lost a lot of weight since I quit uh, TV. That's for sure. Can't eat <laughs> chips anymore. My wife won't let it. <laughs> I feel like I a lot of fun. Oh man, I feel like I've swallowed like uh, a watermelon the way I look these days at uh, the chip consumption during this <laughs> pandemic, Gary. So you got me beat big time. You got in a car accident and swallowed the airbag, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, Bucky, we want to get into it a little bit with junior hockey, too. But first, I'm always fascinated by guys who have played the game for a living, done well, uh, the view that they see, because I think you always look at it with a different set of lenses. Uh, what do you make of what's happened to the local team here in the Canucks? Well, to me, they've been flat for, for most of the year. And one of the biggest things I said, right, I mean, they didn't give Travis a green a contract extension in the summer. They had a great playoff run last year. We know it was due to good goaltending, timely scoring, a great power play, but that's fine. I mean, Travis has been here a long time. He deserved a contract extension as soon as they didn't get it. As a player, you could sense a coach that is, is on the vine that, you know, coaches that are fighting for their jobs are never going to be able to relax. They need to have stability. They should have signed them to a three-year deal. They should have showed the room that they're committed to their guy. You just don't have a coach in with no contract. And as soon as they did that, I truthfully feel they, they lost the room. Yeah, they lost some core guys. They lost guys like Kenneth who, and Markstrom who are core guys. But Travis Green is their coach. I mean, he's their leader. Everybody's got to be on the same page with the coach. And when they didn't give him that extension, I felt they lost the room, and, and they haven't been able to get it back since. Do, do, do players really feel that? They, they really sense that, eh, at the, at the top? Hundred percent. I mean, those, are, those coaches are the ones who give you ice time. They're the ones who believe in you. They're, they're the ones who build you up when you're in a slump. You got to trust the message they're giving you is not just year to year or month to or sorry month to month. It's year to year. You want to know that guy's going to be there again next year. And they really feel that coaches do. I mean, look at the end of the day, coaches give you the confidence. And if that coach doesn't have confidence, he's not going to breed confidence in the room. And that's not the sole reason. There's a lot of things we can pick apart. 
But I even said it, as soon as they didn't give him an extension in August, I said it's going to be a long year. I would not bet on that team this year. Have they been able to fill the void of the characters that they lost, um, you know, in, in Tanif and Markstrom? Have you witnessed it kind of play out going, who's, who's the leader of this team now? Well, yeah, there's always going to be excuses why you're slumping. There's always going to be, right? I mean, it just – 100%. Chris Tanev is the guy. I mean, he was the guy that blocked shots of his face and played hurt and backed up every offensive defenseman. Look, every D wants to be offensive now. That's how you get the big money, right? I mean, you get big bucks by being offensive, but you still need those guys that will block shots and back up the guys. And if any bit turnovers uh, out there, you need the guys backing them up. We're not seeing a lot of that. They're giving up way too many shots. They're giving up way too many outnumbers, way too many breakaways. They're playing against good teams. I get it. Like You're playing against Edmonton and Toronto. You're going to give up outnumbered situations. But even then, so you better make sure you got guys you can play in the back end. That will, you know, defense is first. It always has been. You got to take care of your own end to transition into offense. That's never changed, and that will never change. Right now, they're thinking, for the most part, all offense, chasing the game, trying to draw penalties by flopping all over the ice. If they don't get calls, everybody whines. And then it, it spirals downwards that way. But they got to start it off with, in their own end with playing good defense. Gary Volk here on Sportsnet 650. Uh... Volke, it's, it's it's funny how many players do speak to the volumes of, of the impact of Travis Green. Um, change gears for a second. You have been uh, pushing uh, a petition that is gaining a lot of traction and a lot of signatures uh, signing up uh, in terms of trying to push for a return to play for youth sports, specifically the BCHL. Give me a, give me the method to the madness behind it here, Gare. Well, I started it. Look, we're over 3,700 now. And if you sign a petition, you're leaving your name, your email address, your phone number. You're leaving a lot of info. And that just speaks to the frustration of all sports and all parents of kids in sports and diminishing, diminishing mental health of those kids. Those parents are not signing petitions to try to get their kids to play hockey again if they're not seeing direct, direct cause and effect with their kids sitting at home with just practicing. And I started it, you know, my mother-in-law, who's immune compromised, she's a stage four cancer survivor. And my father-in-law's got Parkinson's. He's got diabetes. He's got heart issues. Like, he checks every box. And they called me a couple weeks ago. They just can't figure out why Garrett's not playing. Like, why is he not playing? My son is 18. He plays hockey with the Trail Smoke Gears. Like, why is he not playing? He's, he's been in his bubble, in his quarantine for three months. Why? And they made a good point. They said, you know, nobody asked us what we want. We would rather not see Garrett, but we'd rather see him on TV, playing on hockey TV, the sport he loves. And, when they brought that up, I'm like, I got to do more. I can't just sit back because nobody on the weekly updates, nobody's asking the hard questions. I mean, everybody's content with the poor vaccine rollout. Everybody's content with, with you know, that's fine. But I'm not going to stand back and be content. And it, it's unbelievable. Like every single week, my son calls me and I talk to him more than that. It's like, have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? Have you heard anything? These junior hockey players have been in their cohorts in the BCHL for four months. They've already played the game safely 
in September and October. They got shut down because the beer league team went to Calgary and they were drinking in the parking lot and they brought COVID back home with them. So these guys are frustrated and everybody can say, um, look, it's just kids hockey. It's just junior hockey. I don't make the NHL if I miss two years of hockey at 18 years old. So it's not just hockey. Even somebody like my son, he's had seven days off since he was seven years old. I mean, these guys are training over Christmases, over spring breaks, over everything. And, and they don't have years to waste, especially when the rest of North America is playing in that age group. Right now, we're the only province in all of North America without a return to play protocol for that age group. We're the only province. And it's unacceptable. You know, it's a great point uh, you make about your son Garrett, and and I I felt that. And James, I know your 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 daughters played house soccer, and, and I have a, a nephew who's just tired of practicing. You know, playing U twelve soccer because they don't get to play. How was it mentally? I mean, your kid is at that age where I'm sure you're thinking scholarship and all that. Um, like when he talks of his team and teammates, uh, it, it must be a, a tough grind where you never thought you'd have to have a conversation, Gary, with him about probably mentally still staying positive. I mean, has that been part of the talk for the last little while? That's been going on for three months. Like, it's been a continual process. And I'm very blessed my kids listen to me. I'm very blessed that I have the means to to help them out and to, to just to do whatever I have to do to get them a different video game when they're down. I mean, it's unbelievable right now. There's kids... There's kids' mental health. Like, you, I'm not getting 3,700 signatures on a petition in three days if parents are not worried about their kids' mental health. I, I'm not getting that. You should see my message boards. My direct messages are blowing up. My, I had to talk to my son about suicide last night. How, how do I discuss it with him? I, I've turned into a counselor. Nobody, nobody is thinking about our youth. As far as like, they can go to school with no mask, no social distance. They can go hang out at the beach. They can go hang out everywhere. No problem. We're fine with that. Our kids have been in a bubble for three months in a cohort. They didn't have Christmas. Okay. They, when they go to the rink, they can hang out at the rink with their team. Then they got to go back to their billet houses. They can't go to restaurants. They can't go and, and go, for, uh, go to the park and go play soccer. They are not allowed to be seen outside of the rink. And they've been doing that for three months. They played hockey for three, two weeks. They had two cases outside of their cohort that didn't, trans, did, didn't come into their teams and, and translate into a mass outbreak. We, I don't know what the numbers are. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Look, I'm a hockey player, you know, and I sell real estate. But at the end of the day, how many kids have been terminally or deathly or really, really ill due to COVID that have been under the age of 20 that have been in shape playing their sports? How many? Have we had two in Canada? Three? So, look, we have to protect the elderly. My in-laws are the elderly. Okay? They are the elderly. You, you put a picture of who to protect in COVID, it's their picture on the wall. And they want to see my son playing hockey on hockey TV. They're like, we don't need to see him. 
we are always going to be immune compromised. We will never be safe again until everybody in Canada gets the vaccine, not just 10% or 2 per whatever percent they're at now. It's going to be years before we get 70%. And these guys don't want to see Garrett missing out on his dreams. But I'm not just talking. That, that's individual. Like, that's junior A hockey, right? I mean, that is. But, and across North America, they're playing it. But it's every sport. We can do it safely. Why doesn't our government trust we can do it safely? But Gary, just and look, I mean, I think anybody that has a kid uh, with respect to youth sports, like, man, I would love to have, have the kids playing, uh, playing again. But is there not a sense like, I mean, you look at our, our province, we have it pretty good compared to a lot of other provinces across the country, right? Like you look at Ontario, which has been in lockdown, like, like minor sports haven't been able to go, like ski hills have been closed the whole time. Like, is there not a sense at all that, like, They've kept schools open here where a lot of schools have not opened in other parts of the country. Like, is there not an element of maybe saying, hey, look, maybe maybe they're doing something right here? Yeah, uh, look, that, that I'm not worried about my son who's 11 years old playing PLEA 2 hockey that isn't playing games. Because I know that, you know, he may not love the game anymore. It's going to be hard to get him back on the ice next year for sure. Because he's found a sport he loves more in golf. Like, and that's never close. So, I mean, I understand that for sure. Uh, we've done, and our vaccine rollout in Canada has been truthfully disgraceful. Flawed. I mean, it's we, been flawed for I sure. I mean, it's yes. been disgraceful. I mean, it really has. It's just, we're behind Indonesia in our vaccine rollout. I mean, we're, we're like a third world country here with it. And schools have stayed open in BC. Yes. 100% they have because they've been able to prove they can do it safely, right? I mean, there, there was no, when they opened it up, they didn't have uh, barriers and plexiglass and full-time masks and full-time this. There's been minor outbreaks in school. Nobody died from COVID that's gone to school. Um, if you, there ha- there's protocols in place. We can have protocols in place with sport as well. Um, to, to, see, to see the ski hills pass. And our, our kids see social media. And that's the worst thing for these kids now, right? I mean, I'd rather have them more oblivious. But when they see all their buddies quitting the sport, he's got two friends that quit SFU. They're playing football. Why do you think they quit? They're sick of just practicing. They want to go skiing and hanging out with their friends and go to the, go to the mall and go everywhere, right? I mean, that's why they quit. We've done, we've done a good job in certain degrees, but there's no reason that we can't trust our youth to get back to sport safely. Protect the elderly. We're going to have to do that for five years. Like, protecting yeah. the elderly is going to be a slogan for, the, for probably the rest mm-hmm. of time. Bonky. I mean, yeah, there's always going to be another variant. We... Uh... We appreciate your view. You, we can sense your frustration. You're not alone. I mean, the text line is hopping for and against. It's a tough time. It's been a long haul for parents and for kids. And I know you see hockey being played in other parts of junior. We'll see it's what happens. It's part with of the North America. Dave, are yeah. we that much smarter in BC than the rest of North America for the kids that are 18 years old? Yeah, we have to wait and see. Hey, thanks for this. Uh, appreciate the time. Um, because, Guys, you know, awesome, it, man. Enjoy your show every day. Keep up the good work, and uh, go Canucks, go. Hopefully they can turn it around.
Miss you, Volk. Nice, nice to hear All from right, you, man. Guys. Take, care. Take care. Thanks, Gary. Gary Volk. Uh, weighing in, uh, and you can, uh, you know what, you can check Gary's uh, Twitter if you are interested in signing uh, Gary's yeah. petition. Uh, you can sign. Uh, uh, check out uh, Gary Volk uh, on Twitter, and uh, he, there's a link to that uh, if you're interested in signing that. Uh, Sonia Asim from News 1130, uh, just down the hall. Sorry Morning, to boys. keep you waiting. Sorry to keep you waiting. You know Sorry. what? I sped to get here on time, and here I am just waiting around. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's sometimes right. Yeah, it's true. It's worth it. It'll be worth it. Yeah, happy March 1st. <laughs> Welcome to the 15th month of 2020. It's amazing. Yeah. I've, I've had two kids run into the office already this morning to punch me in the arm to give me the old pinch and a punch for the first uh, of the month. Oh, that's that adorable. doesn't reek. That's the Sabalski family. Hey, see, while I heard... Hey. Oh, I heard you made a Go big ahead. mistake over the weekend. Was there a blunder? Oh, my God, yes. So if, if anybody missed it at 6 o'clock this morning, um, over the weekend, walking along the beach... I uh, I ran into Greg Ballack's uh, better half, or his wife Katie, who was walking with another woman, and um, you know, not re- even paying attention at all, uh, looking a nice, beautiful day, walking along the beach with the fam, and I just, without even looking at this woman, I looked at Katie. I said, "Is this your mom?" And it was her girlfriend that was, you know, probably thirty. You know. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, she, she didn't go over so well for the said individual who I basically said she looks like she's forty years older than she is. Yeah. And then at what point does she throw sand in your eyes? Well, that was it. Like honestly, her jaw hit the friggin' sand, right? Just like, oh my god, I'm not that old. Like took off her sunglasses, like just shocked, and like looking for maybe a little help from my better half. She's down on one knee, you know, just dying with uh, laughter. Yeah. Yeah. I would also laugh at you. I wouldn't help you, though. I would just laugh at yeah. you. Yeah, it was definitely yeah. at all times like up there and probably uh, my the top 10 power rank in the top 10 power rankings of stupidest things I have said. And I, there's a lot of things I have said. Stupid that this people is true. We've been friends for a, a lot of, a lot of years. I think age and asking if someone is expecting if a woman is expecting or the two of the. Like, I made that no-nos. mistake when I was seven. My oh mom's my, my mom had a friend come over and uh, I asked that question and my mom was shocked and her friend <laughs> nervously laughed and then thought nothing of it. I went down to the basement. My dad followed me down the stairs and whacked me so hard <laughs> in the back of the head. And I was like, ow, what was that for? And he just his response. Don't ask stupid questions. So amazing. Lesson All these learned. years later, you haven't learned anything. Though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes not. you get paid. You get yeah. paid to ask stupid questions. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Ed- edibles. Um, edibles affect the memory, apparently. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. That's possible. Uh, Sonia, we live in the same neighborhood, and I was out doing my shopping, and I still see posters out for a missing person. We'll get a story in Port Moody this morning, will we not? Yeah, so this is uh, Trina Hunt. This is a woman who vanished about uh, just over six weeks ago in the Tri-Cities. She's from Port Moody, as you mentioned. And there's no clues that we have right now. There's no leads. There's no tips that have come in to give any indications to where she may be. So today we're going to hear from her family and we're trying to get a hold of police to get an update from them as well in terms of where does the investigation stand. Uh, they're going to hang a banner with her you know, name, and they're just trying to get more information about where is she. Her name is Trina Hunt, uh, and you're right, there's posters everywhere. Even in my neighborhood, there's posters. Um, so um, we're just trying to get, you know, it's just it's reaching out to the public to say, have you seen her? Do you know anything about where she was? Her husband's story is that, you know, um, he got up, went to work. 
she was at home. And then by the time he got home, she was gone. And they did a ground search. They did, you know, search and rescue was involved. The canine unit was involved. They searched all the woods near Port Moody. And there's been no sign in the last two months. Yeah, awful. Awful. It's incredibly awful. It is awful. And you wonder, uh, what else is going on? Uh, COVID update. We have a huge COVID update. Uh, 10.30, we'll have details for the public. This is the vaccine rollout plan. So what we do know is that anyone who's 80 plus is the next phase of people who can get it. Um, If you live in a care home, your care home provider will give it to you. And if you don't live in a care home, then you will be reached out to via you know, phone or email or something, your health authority will get a hold of you to say, okay, Mr. Sabalski, it's time to go to this clinic at this time, at this date, you can get your first shot. Now, we should mention that the AstraZeneca vaccine was approved late last week. And what is now happening is that we have three approved vaccines in this country. We have millions of doses that will be here by April. When I mean millions, I mean like 20 plus million. So now the question is for the province is that do you allow essential workers to move ahead of their age group? So if you're a police officer and you're in your early 40s, do you wait until the fall to get the shot or can you get the AstraZeneca shot in the next couple of weeks? So that's going to be the main question for uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry at about uh, 10.30 this morning. Oh, yeah. uh, yesterday we marked 11 uh, years ago to the day. Uh, where yes. were you when uh, Sidney Crosby scored the goal to goal? Where were you? Uh, I did mm. the morning show. I rushed home. I may have gone slightly above the speed limit. And then <laughs> um, I put on my pajamas that I wore during one of our previous games that we won. And I sat in my apartment and I was by myself. And for someone who like barely hits nice. five feet on a, on a big girl day, I think my vertical after he scored was a solid 10 feet in the air. Like I jumped over my coffee table, screamed so loud. It was such an incredible moment, like such, such an incredible moment. Yeah. No, I called my dad. Um, and uh, I remember my dad saying to me, you know, if Canada lost that game, this country would have gone into what would have been a great depression. It would have been a completely different, like the mood would have been just. It would have changed. It would have mm-hmm. changed the games in a lot of ways, right? To yeah. close out that way, like had they lost, it, it's unfortunate to think that way, but it really but would have. So changed much the, was hanging yeah. out that one goal, man. Yeah. When when the U.S. Yeah. tied it, my heart sunk. Like I couldn't. I I held my breath. I just I couldn't imagine. Are we going to lose this game on our on home turf? You know, we have an incredible stacked lineup. Are we really going to lose to the U.S.? And it's you know what it is? It's because it's the U.S. If we lost to Sweden, I'd be like, oh, that, you know, that really sucks. But yeah, you... fine, I have respect. No, I don't. I will not lose to the to to the states. It completed the perfect picture on a and it was a Sunday perfect afternoon. player to do it. It was scripted. <laughs> it was scripted. No, it's amazing. I was stuck on a plane for the overtime. <gasps> Just the worst. Yeah. yeah. That's the stuck worst. But as plane. bad as our clock management has been in this segment. Have you ever gone back and watched the goal? Over and over again? Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, I've watched it m- multiple times. Yeah. But yeah, I, the, I was stuck on the tarmac, and I called my parents to say, put the phone next to the, uh, put yeah. the phone next to the, yeah. Going into overtime, it was just screwed up everything. Uh, Adam, um, Adam right. Forsyth from Sportsnet 650, your uh, fellow update guy, he's got an incredible story about Sydney's goal. Uh, you should ask him, because he was right behind Ryan Miller when the goal went in. Nice. And, yeah, and the 2010 sign that they hold when they hit the ice uh, his gum is keeping up the V in Vancouver because it fell off right before they took the team photo. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> <An> amazing story. <laughs> Thanks, Aslam. Thanks, boys. Take care. Bye-bye. There's Sonia Aslam from News 1130 just down the hall. We're going to get our butts kicked from the boss here, but we'll come back and we're going to head to Winnipeg and check in with Sportsnet Sean Reynolds. It's because it's game day as the Canucks and the Jets collide right here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 
Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 735. Sabolski, Solkowski. Uh, it is game day as the Canucks will try to end a four-game slide against the team that is on a four-game win streak that started, coincidentally mm. enough, against, wait for it, the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Realize it, right? I mean, no. that's the thing. You wait, oh, too bad we don't get to play San Jose or Anaheim, people we can beat up on. Everybody in the North Division going, you know what? We got the Canucks for two. That's four points. That's what we have become, James. We are welcome, Matt, to points right now in this city. Well, the Canucks just enjoyed their longest stretch off of the season since the uh, play resumed or since the season began back on January 13th. Now it is March 1st. So the longest time off that they've had, they haven't played since Thursday. Uh, In a span of six weeks, they've pretty much played every other night outside of, I think, one or two days where they had like the one extra day. But they haven't played since Thursday. So to have Friday off, Saturday, Sunday, and now they play tonight in Winnipeg. It's a 5 o'clock puck drop, a 3 o'clock pregame show. We'll catch up with Sean Reynolds here in uh, Winnipeg and kind of talk about the fortunes changing. But here's the Jets team that... You know, Pierre-Luc Dubois finally in the lineup and accessible now, and what a difference um, and the impact that he's having now, finding a rhythm. And, and man, he has been an impact player for this team here over the last week. Uh, The Jets picking up a 2-1 overtime win over the Montreal Canadiens on Hockey Night in Canada back on Saturday night. And there's Paul Stastny. Like, you you look at the scoring depth that this team has, something that the Vancouver Canucks could only dream of right now with what they've got. But Sean joins us here this morning. Sean, good morning. Morning. How are you? Excellent. Thanks. Uh, give me what, what's been the eureka moment that's kind of turned this jet season around. That was kind of a malaise. Is it just simply Pierre Luc Dubois in the lineup? It's got to be something more than just that. Well, I, I think the thing that stands out to me is how consistent they've been this year. I mean, they they, they came out of the gates. They 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 looked terrible in the very first game against Calgary in the in the first period, and then turned things around and found a way to win a game that they were not looking so good in and, and established that theme right off the bat. And, and, and I think you touched on it. I think what it is is the depth in, in that the Jets in so many games this year, they, they're they probably ending up with a better fate than they deserve, but they're ending up with a better fate than they deserve because they've got the kind of players that can keep them alive in games where they're not playing that well and the type of scoring talent that can score them out of trouble and the type of goaltending that can shut the door like – Connor Hellebuck did against the Montreal Canadiens who put up 40 shots against them on Saturday night and they escaped with a 2-1 win. So I I said it after that game. It seems to me the Jets just have so much depth across their lineup that, that as long as they can get one line going, they've got a chance to win that game. And that's what they've been doing time and time again this season. They should not have won that game against the Montreal Canadiens. But it's a 2-1 victory. You know, honestly, the goal that the Canadiens scored to be in that game looked like a little bit of a fluky goal. So their depth, just as long as they get one of four lines to show up, they've got a shot to win that game. And that, to me, explains why they've been so good this year and just keep marching up the standing. Well, Sean, when we talked to you before the season started, we kind of joked about respect, like where is Winnipeg? You know, we had a window of opportunity a couple of years ago and everybody in Canada was going, the Jets might be the team. We're all behind them. And then you've got your Lani issues. Has this team surprised you? with their performance this much, a guy who's around it all the time? 
Well, I, if I remember that show, I think I'd said the one thing that I'm confident about with the Jets is, is they get the most they can out of their lineup. And it's why I had them making the playoffs is because I, there were just what we're seeing in Calgary this year we saw from them last year and what we're seeing from Montreal right now and them, you know, slumping and not being able to get up. We saw that from Montreal last year and what we're seeing from Vancouver to a degree we saw from Vancouver, not this extreme. But, but the, the, the issues that each of these teams is dealing with are issues um, th- that they've dealt with in the past. The Winnipeg Jets last season, yeah, they, they, they lost a whole bunch of their defense. That clearly harmed them. Is their defense fixed? No, I don't think so. I still think it's their Achilles heel and they're getting away with it right now. But the, the Winnipeg Jets set out at the beginning of the season and said, what we're going to do is we're going to play more team defense. We're going to have our centers play far lower down we're going to sacrifice some offense to be a better defensive team to cover off that Achilles heel and it's working so far right now and the one thing that the Winnipeg Jets have been able to do in years past is kind of squeeze all the juice out of the orange whatever their situation is Paul Maurice seems to be able to get the best out of that team or at least the maximum effort and that's what you're seeing this year again uh, they didn't have the best game against Montreal, gave up all those shots, but a lot of those shots were from the perimeter, and, and Connor Hellebuck always says that if he knows where the shots are coming from, um, he, he he's going to be able to stop a good chunk of them. So I did think that Montreal was clearly the better team in that game, but I also thought that the shots that they were uh, getting on net were a, a specific pattern that, that uh, once he knows how to handle it, Connor Hellebuck can handle it. So the Jets do a really good job of executing the game plan that they want to and playing the game that they want to. And I think that's put them ahead of teams like Calgary and Vancouver and recently Montreal this season. Sean Reynolds here on Sportsnet 650. And, you know, that like that is that's a that's a difference maker in this division, right? You've got a Vesna, you've got goaltending. Like an excellent goaltending at that, and Connor Hellebuck, and we can debate whether or not he's been, you know, in Vesna form this season. But I, I, I love the scoring depth. I, I, you know, Sean, I also had the, I also had the Jets here. Um, but the resiliency of this team too, um, the way that they've kind of bounced back, like when they take an L, like they come back with a little bit of snarl. I, I don't know if it's just the reflection of their their leadership group, or and, you know, we talk a lot about leadership these, these days, but. This this core has been together for a long time, and they can play heavy. Like they kind of check the boxes in a lot of areas, and I think the whole notion of you know this blue, this thin blue line. I don't think that blue line's as bad as people make it out to be sometimes. Well, I mean, I do think in the end, uh, there's a lot of it hasn't come together on the back end, and it's hard to see that because of the success that they've had. But I do think that, I mean, it's working right now. They're getting it to work. We all know the playoffs is a different animal. And I think that's one of the things that is, would be interesting about this team. When the playoffs come around, do, is there going to be a situation where they step up their game? I could see that, especially on the front end. Um, and then it ends up being, you know, those three rolling lines that just are coming at you in waves. And that's what's going to be difficult about your team. But I don't know how much they can raise their game defensively on the back end especially when you start getting you know further down the playoffs and playing championship caliber defenses and seeing what that looks like uh but you touched on a whole bunch of interesting points there and the the one about them having a snarl coming off of a loss i mean it's a mantra for this team uh and, and it has been since the beginning of the season to not lose two games in a row because 
often what that will mean is, you know, it's, it's like them playing Vancouver right now. If they lose two games in a row right now to Vancouver, well, that's four huge points that uh, Vancouver is able to close the gap on them. So they came into the season with the mindset that they weren't going to lose two games in a row very often. And so what that means is because they pay so much focus and attention to it, every time they lose, they are standing at attention when they're heading out onto the ice in the next game. And they're, and, and again, to the point I was making before, that's the strength of this Jets team is they're very much able to execute their goals or at least put the best foot forward when trying to execute those goals. And it's worked brilliantly for them this season. I think they're the strongest team mentally in the North Division right now, and I expect them to be throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, Sean, no one in this city wanted to hear about an organization that doesn't want to win two, uh, lose two games in a row, and no one wanted to hear that the Jets are the strongest team mentally because we're coming to town. Uh, <laughs> thanks for this. We appreciate it, Sean, for the take. Uh, enjoy watching the Jets. It'll be fun over the next 48 hours. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Sean Reynolds uh, joining us from uh, Winnipeg for uh, Sportsnet. And uh, don't forget, 3 o'clock pregame show here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop at 5 o'clock with Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch. All right, still to come, Kevin BX will join us just after 8 o'clock as he joins us each and every Monday morning. Lots to dive into with uh, with Juice coming up uh, at the top of the clock on your Canucks commute. A lot of people also jumping in on the Dunbar Lumber text line as well at 650-650, weighing in with their thoughts from what we heard from a very passionate Gary Volk earlier this morning. A lot of people on board with what Gary's saying. A lot of people also not on board with what Gary's saying. We'll hear from you, the people, next right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day here on Sportsnet 650. I made sure to enjoy it and kind of cherish today because, again, there are, you know, times, uh, especially when I got diagnosed early on, where I wasn't totally sure if I'd be playing baseball again. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There's Trey Mancini, a year ago diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer, and there he was last night or yesterday afternoon uh, getting a standing ovation. Uh, playing with the Baltimore Orioles and got a base hit in his return after beating cancer. Uh, The umpire basically stood there for about 30 seconds and swept the home plate as uh, the crowd uh, in attendance, uh, the limited crowd anyway, in spring training to see that. Nice nice moment. I mean, stage three and to come back a year later to be able to do that last night, that's impressive. Uh, There are great sports stories, uh, and that was certainly one of them. And, uh, you know, Training camp is underway. Spring training. Jays played yesterday. Got a nice performance. The bats doing what they expected to do. So it'll be fun. I mean, March we were in it. I want to just read this text from Maury the Mill guy. And I think, Maury, this hits a lot. Like right now as we get set meaningful games in March, that we thought would be a given. But considering what the Canucks have in the next couple nights with Winnipeg and how they're playing, you just kind of wonder that, all right, like what are we going to see Maury says, I've never wanted to not watch the Canucks as much as I do now, but I feel a strange duty or pressure to continue watching them. It's like voting. If you don't vote, you don't have the right to complain. I think that's the case, James. I don't, like. I would never put any money on the Canucks tonight, but I wouldn't have said that with Calgary and Toronto, too. Like At some point, you write the ship a little bit. I don't know if that's going to be the case tonight, but we'll see. You, you never know what this team's going to give you. And as we've said all morning, they actually had some rest. They stayed away from the rink. Travis Green said, don't come in here. Some guys came in and worked out. We'll see if they have more jump. Jump is one thing, talent's another, and they'll be out-talented tonight. I, I feel like the Canucks win tonight. 
like oh. because every stat, every stat, every no, every stat tells you that this is uh, an easy Jets victory. Um, but this is where sometimes you know you want to zig, and in this case, you zag. This is where I feel like I like the Canucks to pull off the shock and awe, just just because. There's no logic. I just feel like it's one of those they're due. They're, they're, this isn't a rah rah or just oh, I love the time off. I just feel like this is one of those the, the streaks. One's lost four in a row. One's lo- one's won four in a row. Uh, one's lost eleven of the last thirteen. One's won you know uh, eight yeah, of the nothing, last eleven. Nothing matches. Nothing matches, and this is just one of those, you know, introduction of the opposites, like that old you-can't-do-that-on-television show from the 80s. At some point this team, I've said it, they will put together three wins in a row, maybe four. It's tough to see the opposition they have, but I do think they are better than their record indicates. Um, but it's tough who they, you know, who you see. You got Toronto coming here after you're done with Winnipeg. But at some point, they'll get some puck luck. They'll get some breaks. They'll get some great goaltending. And I do think they'll go on a little bit of a run. don't think it will mean anything. Whether it starts tonight, we'll see. Okay. You know what? It's uh, seven minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. I, I want to tell you, we, we mentioned uh, a lot of people jumping in on the Dunbar, Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. And, and I want to share what uh, a lot of people have been saying. Uh, a lot of people on both sides of the fence uh, agreeing with Gary Volk saying, uh, Tam Beer uh, chiming in, Gary Volk speaking facts. Uh, other people kind of chiming in saying, you know what, tell Gary to move. I want to get to that. Plus, we're also going to get to uh, Kevin BX, who's going to join us in a few minutes as well. A lot to get to. It is game day, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Starting lineup, he's Perry Sokowski. I'm James Sabolski. It's all coming up next right here. It is game day here on Sportsnet 650. They're not coffee drinkers, but they still keep it right in the mornings. Travis has been here a long time. He deserved a contract extension as soon as they didn't get it. As a player, you could sense a coach that is, is on the vine. That, you know, coaches that are fighting for their jobs are never going to be able to relax. The Canuck Commute on the starting lineup. Hour number three on this Monday morning. How you doing, everybody? James and Perry. And a reminder that this hour is a presentation of our good friends over at Surrey Honda. Visit Surrey Honda located at 152nd and Fraser Highway. Surrey Honda, where you'll find quality and community. Kevin BX are joining us in just a couple of minutes and uh, looking forward to catching up with uh, with Juice as he joins us each and every Monday morning. Uh, game day for the Canucks and the Jets. Five o'clock puck drop later on this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, a lot of people jumping in, uh, weighing in. We just heard from Gary Volk uh, weighing in on, on one of the uh, things that uh, ails the Canucks this season and that being uh, the fact that they didn't extend Travis Green. He said there's the trickle-down effect and how it's impacted the players' mindset and understanding that Hey, they players know. Players know when guys are squirming, Pear. Um, but a lot of other people also chiming in about Gary's very passionate plea to try to get the BCHL and, and U Sports up and running again, and and very polarized for that matter. And look, I, I kind of defer to trying to trust the medical officers and science and the rules and regulations that are in place. And I actually feel like, look, we can poke holes at a lot of different things, and there's things that I don't like, and there are things that I think as I've gone on, what we learn, what we like, what we don't. But I tend to try to lean towards trusting the science, and there are times where I'm frustrated. But, man, I want my kids to play. But at the same time, I also <laughs> defer to – I think we've done a pretty good job in this province compared to a lot of other parts of the country. Yeah, and, and for those who didn't hear Gary at 7 o'clock, we talked Canucks. You just heard him talking about – you know, Travis Green. We'll get into that with Kevin BX who will join us momentarily. But essentially, Gary's take was that his son is playing in the BC Hockey League, has been with the Trail Smoke Eaters in a, in a 
cohort and practicing but unable to play. Where you look at other teams, Western Hockey League in Alberta, they're playing. We're waiting to see what the BCHL is going to do after playing and then being shut down after a, a men's team went and traveled. Western Hockey League, we're waiting to see what they will do as far as the teams in BC. And Gary just made the point that he thinks it's safe for them to play, and he understands we have to certainly protect our elderly. And um, there's a lot of people that have chimed in. Dell just said Gary Volk sounds very entitled. It's that kind of thinking that got us into this mess. All those people saying, well, it doesn't affect us. I have a child at home with terminal illness and is very immune compromised. We want her to stay with us as long as possible. COVID makes life very scary. I'm sorry his son can't play hockey, but this is life and death. It's time for people to stop acting so selfish. And we've got a lot of that coming in on our Dunbar uh, text line 650-650. Yeah, uh, here, the, you know, the... Another text in uh, the younger. Uh, the problem is the younger person can infect other and older individuals. Um, you know, James Flawed, your Trudeau love is showing. Oh, look! I mean, the reality is, is I think our our vaccine rollout uh, is terrible. It's been it's a bad look on the country, and there's no way to sugarcoat how it's been rolled out. To not to see the billions and billions of dollars invested in terms of helping people, but to not maybe set aside, you know. 30, 40, 50, even $100 million to have an infrastructure in place that once a vaccine was ready to go, you knew that the state was coming and to, to be this ill-prepared as a country and, and, and a leading nation globally as well is um, it's it's a kick in the ass because, you know, I just talked to a, you know, a neighbor of mine down the street. He just got his second shot. He's a doctor and him and his wife run a practice, but, you know, he even made the point. He said, you know, it, it's happening, but the disappointing thing is is when, you know, the big festivals like Glastonbury and the stadiums are packed again in other parts of the world. You know, we're going to be a few months behind, right? And that'll be that'll that'll feel really frustrating, I think, in a few months. O.J. Simpson just got his second shot a few days ago, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the problem. Texas, though, at six fifty, six fifty, because Gary is at a level where his son is probably pursuing a college scholarship, and I do understand. Athletes, you know, 16 to 18, where they hope there's a next step, this has hurt them. But what if you're coaching your 14-year-old in soccer? Have they missed it? Do you think they should be playing, you know, your 10-year-old's playing house hockey? Do you think that's the same? Be curious to get, we've got so many parents who listen to this show, their opinion of whether or not, and James, you were a coach before, I was a coach, I could understand it getting frustrated, but it's the world we live in right now. So we'll continue the conversation. Gary, certainly at his take, we appreciate that. From a different perspective, like to see what those who just can't get out to a, a pitch or maybe a ball diamond, lacrosse floor that'll be opening up as April comes if you want to get back and start playing. How tough this has been on the kids, right? I understand that Gary mentioned he's had a conversation about suicide. These are some real, it's been a mental grind for a lot of people on here. And, and, and kids, a, a psychologist had said to me, you realize that, you know, when you're 30, when you're 40, you've had a lot of summers, you've had a lot of winters, but if you're only 16 and 17, you don't have like this is a, a bigger chunk of your life that you go, man, I, I can't believe I've been shut down for this long. So it's a tough conversation to have. We appreciate all the input. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, head to uh, Southern California and check in with uh, he's at a dog park. Mr. Kevin BX from Hockey Night in Canada, a presentation of Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family owned BC company helping local business since 1892. From a dog park to a couple of dogs you get to hang out with on the radio here, Juice, you're surrounded. 
I am. Dogs everywhere. It's technically not a dog park. It's actually a school that I've just turned into a dog park. Oh, great. Oh. <laughs> and you're the guy not picking up poop either and off-leash. And... No, I no, I am that guy. I just did before you guys called, and I'm uh, – I, I I'm I think that's super important. I hate when people just leave their dog poo everywhere. So I make sure ninety nine percent of the time. Ninety you know sometimes when uh I know it's early in the morning, but you know sometimes when it's the really runny stuff and you're like, Oh, I hope nobody saw <laughs> yeah. this and I can just kinda keep walking and put a leaf over like, it. I, yeah. But yeah, Do, that's juicy. a few times. Like but you, usually no. Nah, because this is where my kids play, so I obviously don't want dog poo everywhere, right? No, it's sometimes I'll be honest. I'll do the fake shake, right? I'll I'll bend over like I'm picking it up, and if it's in deep enough grass and off the way, I'll, yeah, no, I really didn't pick. Well, it you got to have your head on a swivel to do that, though. You have to know. You're, oh, you do. You're gonna be like uh, Patterson and know your surroundings, so nobody's watching. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. You see that car turn, and you're going, oh man, how long do I got to stay down here? Like it's taking me forever. Uh, how hey, about this? Hey, how about this last week, pair? So I'm I'm walking with the dog. We were walking through a regional park. There's nobody around. Brendan and I are walking with the dog, and uh, he's off leash. I'm throwing a stick around. I go to throw a stick, and he had positioned himself. He's he's a short dog. He's right behind my feet. And so I throw the stick, and I go to take a step back, and he's right behind me. So I go ass over tea kettle over the dog and fall down, right? Thinking nobody's around. I'm sitting on my ass for a minute, kind of chuckling. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this ATV and this park ranger comes around the corner and says, Oh, you okay? Took a nasty bump there. Yeah, yeah, just a bruised ego. Oh, by the way, keep your dog on a leash. Boom, drives off. Just like (laughs) total kick in the ass. No ticket or anything. You're lucky. No no ticket, but like, are you okay? Good, because you fell on your ass and you're supposed to keep your dog on a leash. We've had, uh, like, we have all the big dogs in the neighborhood. Usually we used to have them get together until somebody complained and called the dog police. But we would have all the, the moms come outside in the morning with their coffees, and the dogs would be zipping around. And there's this one mom. She's so tough. She got just buckled. So she's tall. We're all talking. Dogs are flying around. They're all, like, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90-pound dogs. Two or three dogs take her legs out. She goes down, buckles from behind. She holds her coffee and doesn't spill a drop. So she's like on her back, but she's still holding her coffee up and not a drop spilled. I'm like, you're my idol. Like, you're so tough. <laughs> that's, that's like the baseball fan with the child in one arm and catching the ball with the other. All right. Nice job. Way to get it done. Exactly. Hey, uh, Gary Volk joined us in the 7 o'clock hour. Uh, we talked Canucks, obviously, and he said when Travis Green wasn't signed to the extension – said, I knew that was the first sign of trouble because it's tough to coach a team when you've got no security and it trickles down right into the room. Agree or disagree? I just think this situation is different. I think the reason he didn't have his contract extension was because of of COVID and the financial landscape. And I I just assumed that it it would get done. I, I still don't know if his job is in jeopardy. And I, it's funny you said, Gary, I thought you guys were talking real estate when I heard Gary Volk was on before. Isn't well, he, he pushed that too. Mogul now? <laughs> he is, yes. He, <laughs> got a he couple got houses for sale on the, on the North Shore, a couple overpriced houses. <laughs> <laughs> With Whatever do you Volk, mean? 8 by 10. <laughs> yeah, you got, uh, you know, you got like a thousand square foot house, uh, three, three rows in, and it's probably going for uh, 6.5, right? No, that's a batch. That's a bachelor suite. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, but but no, with with Travis Green, 
I, I don't that it's, I get what he's saying. It is difficult. Usually you don't see too many coaches, head coaches go into their final year without a contract extension because it does make it difficult. I just thought that this situation, and I still think it's just a little bit more uh, tailored to the financial landscape that we're in. Uh, Jake Vertanen is still a Vancouver Canuck right now. The rumors really started to crank up over the weekend, uh, going to your neck of the woods in the OC uh, with the Anaheim Ducks, and the rumored name back is another local product from around here is uh, Danton Heinen. Um, give me your sense on, on what you think of that proposed or suggested rumored deal, and, and give me a sense of what you think of Danton Heinen as well. Well, my understanding is the deal is contingent on uh, Vancouver retaining salary next year for Bertan. And so I, I don't know if this is true. I hope it's not, but are the Canuck fans starting a GoFundMe page? Did I read that, Did I read that right? That can't be true. Did you guys read it? Well, honestly, $3.4 million for Jake Bertan next year just feels like what the hell happened? Well, yeah, but good for him. But 20, man, that's a lot 20, of money. Yeah, but he, but he had twenty goals the year before, and it's, uh, it's not so much what he's getting paid next year. It's his AAV, right? When you're negotiating contracts, I don't think they really care from the year to year. Only the owner cares about the year to year contract because they have to pay it. But you look at his AAV. His AAV is still on the twos, which for a twenty goal scorer is not that bad. So, anyways. I'm, yeah, I'm hearing about the rumors. Uh, I've heard about them actually for a couple weeks. I don't know how long they've been out there in public. Uh, Danton Heinen, I, I believe his dad still lives in Vancouver. I golfed with his dad one time at Fraser View. Is Fraser View that municipal course? Yeah. Yep. With the really, hard, the really fast greens. The greens usually roll like a 12. They're lightning. But anyways, I golfed with his dad there, so I think that would be awesome. I'm sure he would love to come back to Vancouver and play there. And uh, he, he's a good he's a good player. He was really good in Boston. I haven't watched him as much in, in Anaheim this year, but he's just one of those guys that you know maybe he needs a new new uh, scenery and, and and a place where he's comfortable, where he can can kind of grow. And, and he's obviously a, a restricted free agent next year, so you don't have the uh, the three point four looming over your head. So I'm sure that's it's a good deal for for both teams if they can make it happen. But like I said, it's just. The retaining of the salary, and I don't know how much the fans are pitching in there, but that's going to be the big question mark, especially for Anaheim, where money's tight around here. I know there's a lot of money you guys think in the OC, but for the Anaheim Ducks, money is tight because they still got the old Kessler-Perry contract on the books. Well, I answer this, and boy, I think Jake in California, relaxed atmosphere, I don't, I don't know what that turns into. Do you think he becomes a better hockey player when and if he's not a Vancouver Canuck? Or we've seen it is what it is, and uh, he'll collect his money. He's fast enough to play in this league. But sometimes they say, you, you know, you, you understand the sport once you're traded. Do you think that changes things for him? I think we can all agree he's probably just not a guy who's suited to a Canadian market where the spotlight's always on you. You can't get away with having a bad day. You can't get away with having a few bad games can't get away with having a few bad shifts when your effort is not the best. And uh, you have to be super accountable to play and live in a Vancouver and a Canadian market. Uh, you know, the, the obscurity of living down here in Anaheim, and there's, there's two reporters, I believe, that cover the team, that, that might be a good thing for him to come down here and, and, and just, you know, worry about playing hockey and get away with, you know, having a bad day here, or a bad shift here, and, 
And he might turn into a really, really good hockey player. But uh, I just think the spotlight of Vancouver doesn't seem to be doing uh, him any favors. Kevin Bieksa here on Sportsnet 650. You know, the other name that's kind of kicking around here uh, with trade rumors is Brandon Sutter. And it's suggested that the Edmonton Oilers might be interested in adding him as, as a depth center, maybe filling the void that Kyle Turris, Kyle Turris has been unable to do uh, so far this season. But, you know, when your name kind of starts floating around, how much does that impact you as a player? I mean, you ultimately went through it. I mean, your move was ultimately an offseason one uh, going to Anaheim, but does it does it play in the back of your mind much, or or can you just or is it just simply white noise? Uh, I mean, it's your it's your life, it's your job, it's your career, especially if you got a family too. Yeah, no, it's it's not just white noise. It it, it affects you for sure, and and that's why I'm I'm careful when I talk about uh, you know tr- potential trades like for Tannen Heinen. I I try and I'm joking around because that's just what I do, especially on a Monday morning when I've had a few too many drinks Sunday night. But <laughs> you don't want to joke around about it too much because this is their their life and this is their you know, with, with families and with kids in school and, fran- and, and friends and, and, and people that have that just bought houses, there's a lot of serious things to consider here. And, and when your name is in the rumors and you're Brandon Sutter and you got a family and you've been in Vancouver for a bunch of years and you're settled, you're worried for sure because there's a good chance that he gets traded. He's probably going on his own and his family's going to stay in Vancouver, especially in the middle of COVID. You got to think that they're going to stay there. I don't know how old his kids are in his situation, but he's got kids in school. They're probably not going anywhere. So that that sucks. That weighs on you a lot. You're going to be go living in a hotel in a different city. You're not going to see your wife and kids. So there's some real problems, real issues here. When your name's floated around, you start to get worried. You start to you know maybe watch social media, TSN, Sports Center, everything a little bit more carefully and. Uh, like hockey wise, sometimes maybe you do want to change hockey wise, but certainly moving from a, from one city to another is, is something that gives you anxiety. I know that. Travis Green kept the guys away from the rink for a couple days, the longest break that they had. So they at least answered the question saying they were refreshed. Give our listening audience a reason why they should believe the Canucks got a shot as they played two against the Jets. Well, I mean, sometimes getting away from the rink and just not thinking about hockey will will do you good. You come back refreshed, and you're you're not playing good, and you're making mistakes, and you just keep beating the same drum. Sometimes nothing happens, and you just need to take a step back. And I, I always thought when I played my best hockey of my career, I was at the rink. I, I'd practice, I'd work out, I'd do video, I'd do all my stuff, and then when I would go home. I wouldn't think about hockey for the rest of the night. So people always always say, like, did you watch hockey a lot when you played? And I and I said, never. I never watched any games. I wasn't a guy, and different strokes for different folks, but I was never a guy who turned on the TV. I didn't watch Hockey Night in Canada probably for 10 years. And I would go home, and I had a different life. And, and I would hang out with my kids, my wife. I'd go out for coffees with our friend Slav. You remember Slav? Yeah. Ball, yeah. And, uh oh go out for lunch and dinner with Eagle and, and, and the twins. And you, you just would have a life away from hockey. You would just be constantly talking hockey, watching hockey, because if you do that, you just kind of beat it into the ground, right? It's good sometimes to come back refreshed and have a life outside of hockey and back-to-back days off while physically they won't feel amazing. You know, they'll, they'll be rested, but they'll be a little bit rusty when they come back. You know, the first couple of drills and practice or morning skate, the lungs will be burning, but I think over the long haul, they'll be mentally refreshed and, and hopefully play better and execute and be mentally sharper. 
Juice, uh, AV picked up career win 700 over the weekend. Man, it's crazy how time kind of flies. Like He's not even 60 yet, but what he's done, where does, where does he rank in terms of your uh, favorite coach's power rankings? He's up there for sure, and I, I've told this story before. I remember early in my career I was in bringing up Slav again. I was having a coffee at Urban Fair with uh, the one in Marina side there with Slav and Trevor Linden, and we were kind of, Trevor and I used to love have little debates and we argued a lot, right? We had different point of views and a lot of different things. And this was uh, when Trevor was, was being healthy scratched by Vino. And I remember saying, I, I, I just assumed Trevor would be on my side. I'm like, oh, I just, you know, I'm not really happy with AV. Like there's got to be better coaches out there. And, you know, he's the only coach other than Mark Crawford that I've had in the NHL at that point. And there's got to be better. And Trev said to me, he goes, mark my words. By the end of your career, and this is only probably two years into my NHL career, because by the end of your career, you will say that Elaine Vigneault was one of the best coaches you ever had. And I remember just thinking, like, you're nuts. Like, have, an, have another sip of your little espresso, right? Like, and, but here I am, and I've gone through several coaches now. I've had probably five or six or seven head coaches. And AV is, uh, I can't think of a, a head coach that did a better job, was more prepared, kept the team more accountable than AV. So, it doesn't surprise me he has 700 wins. Well, he's not always your, you know, your favorite person because he does like to have a barrier with his players. I actually, I had dinner with him uh, and drinks after Luke Bordal's funeral in the summer, and he was an unbelievable guy. I remember sitting around thinking, why, why do we not like talk like this during the season and get along like this during the season? And he's like, well, we can't. Like, uh, we have to have a barrier. That's just the way I do things. I, I think I need to be an authority overall. You got blah 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 blah. So, anyways. Very, very smart, intelligent coach, and he's done a, a great thing for a long time and looking pretty good in Philly again this year. Would you ever consider him a player's coach then? It's interesting you say that, that he didn't really want to get to know you. Barry Trotzy here, other things, wants to know the leadership group, who's the girlfriend, who's the wife, how are the kids. Was, was A.V. a player's coach then? I wouldn't say he's a player's coach. He, we got to the point with that team. When he came in, everything was about being accountable. He was scratching, you know, uh, like I said, he was scratching Trevor Linden. He was benching Marcus Naslin. He was calling out Matt Sundin in meetings. He was benching Matthew Schneider. Everything was about being accountable and everybody being held to the same standard. We grew with that group to the point where he gave us the room with the twins and Cass and Burr, myself and, and Edler. He gave us the room, Luongo, and we kind of took over the team. But that took a while. That took a while to grow to the point where he trusted us. I wouldn't say he's a player's coach, but again, I don't think I don't think guys always necessarily play their best hockey for somebody that they really, really, really like. I think sometimes that coach that can piss them off and light a fire and a firecracker Agreed. under their ass and motivate them. Yeah. Sometimes whether you you don't you, maybe you don't necessarily like that, but you play better that way. I'll show yeah, you I kind always, of thing, right, Juice? Like I'll show you. I, you know, screw you. I'm going to shove this right up. Yeah, exactly. I remember A.V., the one time he calls me over in morning skate and he says, this is like in the highlight of my career and I'm, you know, feeling pretty good about my, myself. And he calls me over and he says, hey, it was a morning skate at, at, uh, in Vancouver. And he pulls me over and he goes, hey, just so you know, um, I, thought, I thought Alex Edler was hurt tonight. Or sorry, I thought he was good to play tonight, but he's not. But if he was good to play, you weren't going to be in the lineup tonight. And I'm like, I look at him like, are you? What do you mean? You fucking kidding me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> passion, <laughs> passion, passion. Yeah. That's it. I go, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Like, I lead our defensive points and everything. He goes, well, I'm going with the, the best six defensemen right now that are playing the best, and you're not one of them. And I just remember, like, I was so mad. And I'm like, 
okay, great. And I, and I skated away and I didn't realize he was following me and I skated, I made a beeline right off the ice because morning skate was over. And I talked to John Shorthouse about this. He actually said he got hit with the shrapnel. I two handed my stick as hard as I could on the bench and shattered it into a million pieces because I was so mad. And the stick, like the, the one end broke off and flew into the stands and hit shorty. And, and then I turn around and AV was right behind me. Like he actually followed me from the other side of the ice <laughs> and he was trying to get off too. So then after like I shattered my stick and had my little temper tantrum, I had to like hold the door open for him too. So he could get, get off the ice behind me. I'm not going to be rude about it. Right. And I just remember like, I was so mad at him, but then I went on a tear and played unbelievable hockey after that. So while he, yeah, I didn't really like him. I didn't go home thinking about warm thoughts of AV. I played my best hockey for him afterwards. He refocused you. Is that it? Did he recalibrated me, and I'm sure Travis Green is going to have to do that with these guys this year. A little bit of tough love once in a while. At, at what point, like that? That's the that's the tricky point, though, in terms of the tough love when when it's Groundhog Day, where when you've got a team that's lost eleven of thirteen, there's only so much tough love, I guess, you can give in a situation where it just you know it's like enough, right? Like we're we're, we're we know we're losing. Like that's where you kind of really the sign of a good coach, I guess, trying to manage the the psyche of a team that already probably feels the weight of the world falling on them right now, right? You got to use every tool in your toolbox when your team's going through a slump like this, and that's when you really make your money as coaches. So yeah, you try everything. You try everything that's going to change the outcome. So you try the the tough love. You try being hard. You try coddling them and showing extra positive video and coming in and having feel good practices and. Then you try even maybe putting it on the players and, and maybe staying away and giving them the room in between periods, giving them the room before practice, the canceling video, not having as much, and put it more into their the ball into their court and, and talk to the leadership group and have them maybe, you know, have a players only. There's there's so many different things you can use and when you're losing and, and the sky is falling like this, this is when you really make your money as a coach to, to try to try whatever you can to, to jolt this team and get it back on track. Thanks for this, as always. we got to do a little bit of editing, but we'll put this up on the website and the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I apologize about that one. That one will slip. But just to show the, the passion of, of the conversation, that's probably exactly what I said to him when, uh, when, he, when he told me I wasn't going to be playing. Yeah, you wouldn't do that around McLean. <laughs> oh, Ron. Yeah, Take- Ron, Ron's got a worse mouth than I do. <laughs> just when he's drinking. Just when he's drinking. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Juice. Nice thanks, to catch Juice. up, man. Hey, guys. Take care. Have a good week. There he is. Uh, Kevin BX, a great perspective uh, on where things sit. Uh, great story with Kevin BX that uh, the PG-13 uh, uh, with uh, Alain Vigneault, but uh, and just where the psyche is of this team. Um, and, and again, you know, we talk about the, all these trade rumors. Man, it's something, pair that um, I, I think sometimes as fans and even media for that matter, we tend to overlook and and forget, like, hey, man, there's a human being we're talking about beyond just a statistic and a contract that it's just move on. You know, it, it's funny, and, and maybe I've just always – I'll go back to when, when you know, our pal Eddie Jovanovski on Wednesday was, was traded, and, and I was one of the first guys to kind of see him when he joined the Canucks, and he was like, my wife's pregnant. Like, yeah, this is – you know, there's just – life was happening, right? And at that point, you know, others were, were about to come dads. There's, you never kind of forget about it with these guys because when the cameras are down, you have that life conversation, which they enjoy. You find out that this is their job, albeit well-paying, and they understand the pressure. I do wonder, though, you know, as Drew said, when he's playing well, he'd go home and he wouldn't worry about hockey. 
But right now, you've got young. That's all Pedersen has in his life. That's all Besser has. That's all Hoaglander has. They don't have much. They can't go out. They come back, and I think this is just worn on them so much. How do you get away? Let's see if these two days away from the rink and trying to recalibrate, if playing their video games and just a little uh, takeout is enough to get them better. But uh, we'll see. I, I think there's just a sense as we begin this week, first week of March, where you thought guaranteed you'd be playing meaningful games in March. Um, you know, you you believe everything says Jets are winning tonight. We'll see if the Canucks can find something that's unexpected considering how they played in the last month. All right, let's take a quick break. Uh, 650-650, the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, always welcome your thoughts and opinions. Uh, we'll get to that. Plus, uh, it is game day. Canucks and Jets, more on that. And Perry with... Uh, the unlikely shout-out for Aaron Rodgers last night at the Golden Globes. We'll get to all of that and still ahead. It is game day here on your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Actually, while I was waiting in line to get this particular shot, a couple of uh, medical people came in to take selfies with me, and they both said that they were pretty sick after the second shot. Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. There you go. From the uh, files of life doesn't seem to be fair, O.J. Simpson just got his second shot uh, in Nevada. He is a senior citizen. He's 73, right? So he's at higher risk, but... Uh, the the healthcare uh, health uh, you know healthcare workers that come over and ask for a couple of selfies with uh, with OJ pair um, are you posting are you, you posting it like are you posting a picture if you have a selfie with OJ no I was going to ask you if you walked by OJ in a street are you asking to take a picture with him like, mm. I would think we, oh hang on you hesitate you're hesitating like I, I would say I would I, okay I would say this. Uh, I would say this, if I'm out hanging out with my buddies and we're, you know, you're, like you're good buddies and you pull that picture out for just your buddies, like your just buds, like you're, 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 you know, you're safe six, no. if you will, if we get back to that, they're, they're probably howling, right? They're all, oh my God, that's, you know, you're, you're an a, you're a jerk, whatever. Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think I would do it. But I would say it would be something I don't think you'd publish. But I think quietly to show a buddy, I think you know, say, "Oh, you look see at this." The, you you look at it as you see the humor in it. You would be mocking him. Yes, pro- probably to yeah. a degree. I just think the idea, but like going posting like hashtag Throwback Thursday. Here's my picture yeah. with OJ uh, at uh, at the hospital the other day while he was getting his second. You shot. You wouldn't be alone taking photos with him. I was at a uh, a Golden Knights game a few years back, and he was there. And there was basically a constant crowd around him the entire game. So you wouldn't be alone if you wanted a selfie. Well, he's probably charging for pictures, right? I mean, I bet you Oze's still doing autograph shows, right? And that's probably his income. See, I I don't know. Like, I I haven't seen. Has he been booked for anything specific? Well, no, that's the whole problem. He got away with it. Yeah. There's a joke there. They didn't shout OJ out on the Jumbotron like they usually do for celebrities, though. I don't know why. How is he not on Dancing with the Stars? Again. I think people are going away from him, right? Uh, no. He's, I'm done with he, OJ. He's more the TMZ uh, variety there. So yeah. I will stick with our usual Monday juice, who, by the way, dropping dropping F bombs now, which is good. Yeah, I a lot of people pick that. A lot of people picking up on that on the Dunbar Lumber text line at six fifty, six fifty. Yeah. Uh, a few people uh texting in, uh, give, loving it. 
It was interesting his take on Alan Vigneault because another coach is now uh, answering the question, and Juice talked about the fact in other NHL cities you don't get more than two or three reporters, but John Tortorella was asked yesterday after the Columbus loss, they haven't won in five, about the concern on his job status. He said, I never worry about it. I do my job the best I can. If people want to make decisions on me, that's their decision. I never worry about that. I go about my business. I'm going to coach this team the best way I possibly can. You know, we're getting set to see Winnipeg and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois excited. Patrick Laine has not been great in that new uniform. I don't know if he's going to, you know, he's already saw the, the pine a little more than he thought he would. I think we might be coming to the end of the John Tortorella experiment. Probably in Torts' mind, too, that he's done everything he can with a lineup that saw the superstars go away in the last two years to maybe Yarmo Kakalan and going, we may need another voice in here. The Jackets right now are six points out of a playoff spot in the Central Division. They uh, And they trail Carolina by six points, and the Canes also have three games in hand, right? It, it feels ambitious. You know, the Hawks, man, who saw the Hawks where they are right now, right? You know, Jonathan yes. Taves taking time away, the start, obviously, and the health issues that he, you know, that he was dealing with. But the Hawks right now holding down third spot and comfortably. But the Jackets are closer to where the Nashville Predators, they have one point more than the Nashville Predators this season. And the Predators actually have two games in hand. And what have we heard about the Nashville Predators, right? That their cup window has effectively expired with this core that they're talking about basically every asset is possibly for sale outside of Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis and Pekka Rene, who's an expiring contract and a long-serving guy. But outside of those three names, you know, the Predators are essentially saying for sale. Right, the Jackets are closer to the Predators and probably closer to what the Vancouver Canucks are. Although Travis Green said over the weekend that, hey, we're not thinking about uh, you know the idea of you know waving the white flag, play, playing kids just yet. Didn't want to go down that road at all. But I think that it is a realistic conversation that needs to be had as we're now what a little over five weeks away from the trade deadline. Well, I think there will be some big names available, but with those big names come big tickets. You know, Brett Conley was put on waivers by the Florida Panthers, BC boy, and you think, oh, that's not a bad guy to throw in your bottom six. Had a Stanley Cup run with Washington, but then you go, okay, so where do you find that $3 million? I think we're going to see some good hockey players available. Nashville is one, but, you know, money, you don't have any space for money. So, you know, the, the Canucks would love to give up something, but where do they find the money to get anything in return? You know, that Columbus team, listen, I don't think it's a place where a lot of people like to play. If Torts has got them going on the right way, that might be an asset for them. But when it's spiraling and then you see what the coach is doing from afar, how many people want to go there? I, You know, John Tortorella always has a shelf life, and I think it may be coming to an end of Columbus. You say, you know, they're not far out of a playoff spot, um, but you got Dallas. You look at games played, Dallas played seven less games than Columbus because of what they've had to deal with through all the COVID stuff. So, uh, I wouldn't be shocked. I don't know if you do it during the year, but I wonder if, if Tortorella's time is expiring in Columbus. I didn't think he would get another job after Vancouver. And he shows up, and I don't think the job he's done at Columbus has harmed him from one day showing up again behind an NHL bench to be a guy who can fix it and squeeze the most out of the squad that's in front of him. Making chicken soup, right? He does it. Does it very well. Yeah, he does it very well. So we'll see if that happens with Tortorella. 
You wanted to share a story uh, that based on a very dull Golden Globes uh, awards oh. last night. Uh, Jodie Foster with the unlikely shout out. Do we have that, Balak? Jodie Foster, who I'm, I'm not a big movie buff, but Jodie Foster wins, uh, you know, the best actress of the Golden Globes and thanks the right people and then just blows my mind when she says this. I love my wife. Thank you, Alex and Ziggy and Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, the Hollywood Foreign Press, right? This is awesome. She's a massive cheesehead, I guess, right? She loves her Green Bay Packers and gives the shout-out to Aaron Rodgers. So I don't think anything of Jodie Foster. I, great actress, great. But I hear that, Seaball, and it reminds me of possibly the stupidest first date I was ever on in my life. Jodie Foster filmed the movie here in Vancouver way back when, Calls the Accused. It, it was on uh, on gang rape based loosely on a true story from the South in the States. Why in the world a young Perry Solkowski would think that's not a bad movie to go on a first date with? I did. It was incredible. And beyond that first date, when I go back, I lose the keys to the car. Have to get my mom actually to come by with the second set of keys that I had. And I thought, there's Jodie Foster. There's the only recollection I have. How stupid was I to go to one of her movies about that on a first date, lose my keys. But the great part is I had like a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth date. So either I had the greatest hair going or nothing. But Jodie Foster, that's the only member I have going, what was I thinking going to a movie with her in it? But she's a cheesehead. Good for her. Well, she also co-starred with uh, Aaron Rodgers' wife, or wife-to-be uh, fiancé, uh, Shailene Woodley. Uh, so is that the reason there's the connection there in what movie? by the way two 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 standout moments uh last night all right from the golden globes one jane fonda who's ever doing the work on jane fonda well done i mean 83 years oh. old and jane fonda is still looking she died old to steal a life she's looking mine. younger than balak's wife's friend a hundred percent. She looked. She looked about ten years younger than Jamie Lee Curtis, who was looking pretty fine last night. And and the other takeaway, Norman Lear, who was being recognized with Lifetime Achievement Award last night, and deservedly so, the creator of Good Times, The Jeffersons, Archie Bunker. Um, you know, he's ninety eight years old, right? And and still sharp as a tack. And man, you talk about pushing the envelope in show business, going back forty years ago, doing shows that you could never do today on, on network television. But at one point, there's Norman Lear referencing and giving a shout-out to his family and referencing his children that range in the age of 74 to as young as 26. Wow. <laughs> I sat there. I sat there. We looked at Brenda and I looked at each other and watched that. You have a 74-year-old son and a 26-year-old son. How about doing the math on that? Shout out to Norman Lear. He you should, have he a son. Be you have a son that is old enough to be a grandparent for your youngest son. That's crazy. You know, another shout out, and, and considering what BX is doing, let's just give the shout out to Schitt's Creek because we're continuing with the theme in this 8 o'clock hour. Catherine O'Hara wins Outstanding Female Actress. Yeah. If you are a Canadian you have not watched Schitt's Creek, get into it. She was absolutely fabulous. Goes off the air. I mean, they Gretzky off. They could still play. But they walk off, and and the series finale last year was they what? So what did you just did you just say they whack off? They walked off. Oh no, we just shits shits creek and BX. So that's all we need in the eight o'clock hour. They walk (laughs) off with uh, uh, with all the big awards when they can. So good on her. But listen, there's another thing that's different. If 
I, I'm not an awards show guy, but you look at that and you go, well, there's there's no fun in any of this anymore, right? Everyone's sitting at home on the Zoom call. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, and people wearing hoodies to accept awards too, like Jason Sudeikis for Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, I've got to get on to. Yes, I've heard nothing but amazing things. I have not watched it yet, but I've got to That's get on That's Apple TV. It. I don't have Apple TV. That's... The wife loves Ted Lasso. Yeah, no, Big man. thumbs up on that one. Every, like, everybody loves Ted. You know, Balak, you're not the only one, man. Like, there's a lot of people that, that swear by Ted Lasso just fantastic and funny. So, uh, got to get well, on Well, that's only on Apple, isn't it, Balak? Are you an yes. Apple TV guy? I'm not no, but I have my way. <laughs> well, where, where are you watching? Oh, you have your... Okay, thank you. Uh, there you go. There you go. Balak, uh, effective immediately, has been removed from Sportsnet 650 for stealing! From his company. Uh, final thoughts before we turn things over to the Scott Rintoul Show next, right here on your home of the Canucks. It's game day, <laughs> Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. Uh, all right, 849, uh, Scott Ritual Show coming your way at the top of the clock. Uh, Sabalski and Solkowski are ready to get out of here. Uh, Canucks pregame show starting at 3 this afternoon here on Sportsnet 650. Puck drop, 5 o'clock with Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch. Ballot, do we have the audio on that to verify? A few people texting in here uh, trying to uh, confirm what, uh, what Perry had said. They could mm-hmm. still play, but they walk off. Okay. Yeah, I kind of uh, that was a that was a hybrid, wasn't it? A walk whack, kind of a whack off. But they walk off. Yeah. Well, BXA started it. The eight o'clock hour has really been in the dump, right? <laughs> I mean, literally, it started with that. So I fire in Shit's Creek. So thought we could have the triumvirate there. Uh-huh. So yeah, I guess the tape never lies. Not like the standings, tape never lies. Neither do the standings. What do you like? Uh, what do you like tonight in the NHL? You know, uh, word out of Toronto is Austin Matthews is progressing, but they don't anticipate he plays tonight. Great, he'll get better at the end of the week and be ready for the the Canucks. But uh, I like the Edmonton Oilers bouncing back. I I think they were on such a roll, and they they couldn't get anything done on the weekend. I like the bounce-back team, so I'm going to take the Edmonton Oilers. They're plus two to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. I'll take the Oilers and see if they can right the ship after playing so well and bouncing back after a loss. Uh okay. Uh you know what? I like a how about this for some decent odds of a decent payoff on a team that is white hot right now, the Minnesota Wild. They've won six straight. They're in Vegas tonight to take on the Golden Knights. Um Ooh. give me the Wild to continue to run the hot streak and uh you can find them at uh at some very good odds to make some money there. And I'll tell you this, I think the Canucks find a way. I also like the under tonight between the uh the Canucks and the Jets. Well, you know, the one thing that Winnipeg hasn't got into for a long time is run and gun, right? Talking to Sean Reynolds. That's a good hockey team in Winnipeg, right? And, and as he said, unlike the issue with the Vancouver Canucks, he said with the balance on the four lines that they have, yes, you want your top six to be the guys gunning, but they have had those performances from someone else. Like you get scoring from somewhere, and they haven't needed a whole lot. They were outplayed Brendan Gallagher with some great chances on Saturday by the Montreal Canadiens. 40-plus shots, but you've got Connor Hellebuck there, who, yeah, we know, history shows he can light it up, and he can take one from you. But that's a good, strong hockey team in Winnipeg. We saw it last week, uh, and I think we'll see it again. I don't mind your call on the under, but what it comes to is what the Canucks have talked about in Travis Green, and we've played the clip. You get in a tight hockey game. If you're in that game, when you get that two-man advantage, that two-minute advantage, you have to be able to do something. 
He's flipped things around on the power play if we see it. Besser going to the other side. Pedersen coming across. Is that enough? I'd like to see another body there. Put maybe someone else on that second unit. Give the second unit an opportunity because if the first not's getting it done. But we'll see if a refreshed group can give a very good hockey team a game. It was, I, like your, I like your style. No one believed Calgary and Toronto last week and the Flames come out of nowhere and win the first one. I don't think a lot of people believe in the Canucks. Let's see if they have some belief in themselves tonight. Uh, Scott Rinchel show coming your way uh, at the top of the clock. Arash Madani, Darren Pang among the guests joining Scotty beginning at 9 o'clock. we got to get out of here. Uh, welcome to the month of March. That much closer to spring, that much closer to turning the clocks ahead, and maybe a new month means a new turnover for the Vancouver Canucks and maybe start some winning ways here. Uh, we're back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel tomorrow for Perry, for Greg, for Mike English, our producer, and DJ APD. My name's James Sabalski. Talk to you tomorrow. On your home of the Canucks, it's game day, Sportsnet 650. Watch your profanity.